If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Yes, I'm back. I know we didn't have a show last week, but I have a reason for that. It was Vacation Bible School, and no, I wasn't helping at Vacation Bible School. I was being sick. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I uh, doubled my dosage of Ozempic, and anyone who might be familiar with that knows that it really messes with your stomach, and I just, I felt terrible. So I wasn't able to help out with Vacation Bible School, and I, I didn't sign up to anyway this year because... Uh, with the way some things have changed in my job, I don't know that I would have gotten back in time. And one night I was working really late. I would not have made it back in time. So uh, I figured they expected me to be the one to play with the kids again because we have recess at Vacation Bible School. So we go play ah, games. Nice. And that's what I did nice. last year, but not this year. But I, we, I am back this week. I didn't get a chance to record a show or anything, but doggone it. We are back. There's so much to talk about. And guess who's back? You'll never guess this, y'all. And those of you on Patreon are getting to see video. You maybe recognize him. It's good old Ben Avery. He's back again. Hey. <laughs> About to say he's waving, but he's got to say something. Or the listeners won't know. So, yes, Ben Avery's back. He's got a new book he's just published. Plus, uh, you know, we haven't really dove into uh, some of your works with, I believe it's, is, is it Kingston was the name of the comic company you've written? Kingstone, yeah. Kingstone, Kingstone. which yeah. uh, actually, uh, see, Philip. Would have had fun on here. We just actually finished on our Wednesday night at church. We were doing a Revelation Bible study, and he used Kingstone's Revelation book to kind of nice. give it some good illustration for stuff, and it was kind of neat. I was looking through, it's like, I wonder if Ben wrote this one. It's like, no, he didn't. Darn it. No, not that one. <laughs> not that one. But I do I have... wish, because the artist on that, I wish I, I've... He's an artist I've been wanting to work with forever, uh, but yeah. Yeah, the art was... I did not work on that part. Really scary and good in that mm-hmm. book. Wow. But for anyone, like, here's one of the ones, I do have one of the ones that Ben wrote here, the 12. Yeah. So this is, you know, an example of, like, some of his writing. So, yeah, he's written some comic books. And now, of course, at least one book I know of. But, of course, we get, we'll get into all that later. We've got so much stuff because San Diego Comic-Con was just this past weekend. And they announced a lot of different things. The fun part about this, and I saw people... How, saying how wonderful it was that Hollywood's kind of shut down right now because the writers and the actors are all on strike, and so they weren't going to show up at Comic Con. So finally, San Diego Comic Con was about toys and comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've got some friends who were there uh, with their their artwork and their comics and stuff, and it sounded like they had a great time and and really a, a better time in some ways because uh, even though may, they may not have been as much actual foot traffic into the convention. Sounds like there's more foot traffic in like Artist Alley and that kind of thing. So, mm. 
Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. I, I don't know if it if that is the actual factual, but it's it's definitely um, some of what I was hearing. So, yeah. Yeah, it looked like it would have been fun. And one of these years, I'd like to maybe get out to the San Diego one. But I love I love going to the local ones, and I have a lot of fun there. In San Diego, I think I'd probably just wear myself out. <laughs> I, I so went much. to San Diego once. I went to San Diego once. It was about 10, 12, maybe 13 years ago. And, yeah, it was it was exhausting, and I didn't even try and see everything. I just – one hour, my cousin came and visited, and, I, and we walked around a little bit. Um I didn't go to any of the halls. I didn't go to any of the – I did go to one um, panel because I was on the panel. <laughs> but other than that, it was just like – it was just exhausting because there were just so many people. And what was cool though was our booth, the Artist Alley and the vendors were kind of near each other. Our booth was near the vendors that were gear, were kind of um, leaning toward 70s comics. And so – when we would leave, I'd walk past this one vendor and I just stop, take a look. Oh, there's a couple, uh, here's a man thing. Here's a, uh, you know, just, just find a couple old seventies horror comics. Oh goodness. Grab them, spend a couple bucks. And then I had my reading material for the night. So <laughs> then you come back the next day and say, I need more reading material. I yeah, read no, he, he, he got multiple, multiple, um, purchases from me. So mm. yeah, it was good. It was very good though. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I haven't really gotten to conventions to be just an attendee since I went to one Wizard World when I was first getting into writing professionally co- with comics. So. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of the best way I think sometimes to go to one is actually have something I'm doing because then they get me in for the day that I'm presenting my panel is the day I get in mm-hmm. for free. So I try to do everything I can, <laughs> which I, I haven't decided with Planet Comic Con this coming year. Do I want to repeat and keep doing the same thing I, I've done for now twice or do I want to try to do something different? I haven't decided yet, but people seem to really enjoy talking about uh, Walt's time here in Kansas City. So I think I could probably keep doing that same one and having some <laughs> guests in. And we, we have a lot of fun with it anyway. And I always I always fill a room up because people are very interested in this sort of thing. So good. But now, since last time Ben Avery was on here, we were doing the New Year's Eve countdown or not really countdown, but we were kind of wrapping up last year. So he's not gotten to experience the, the regular full format. So now no. this is kind of fun. We get to throw the, the what I call host chatter. Which okay. we, we start with the basic question, what have you been watching? And honestly, I don't think I've watched anything significant this week. I'm really behind on stuff. I've been meaning to watch uh, Secret Invasion. I've seen two episodes, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, but I, it's all wrapped, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to be careful because somebody's liable <laughs> to spoil it. But I've seen people saying they really enjoyed it. And I'm like, well, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and watch the rest of it eventually. But right now, my wife has been in the living room watching anime, and uh, she's trying to find an anime that I'll sit and watch with her. And she had me watch something. It was it was some about a dragon trying to find a house. <laughs> she thought I would like it, but I was like, "This is the whiny, most annoying dragon character, I swear." <laughs> and it's only lasted for one season, which is either because people didn't like the character, or that once you get him into a house, you've run out of story when even yeah. what you've titled your show. So there's not a lot of anime I can get into. But my wife has just been having a good old time with her Crunchyroll account, and she wanted me oh, to nice. sit down and watch something with her. I'm like, "Well, there's a few things I like, like Fairy Tales, pretty good, and uh, there's another one that." I don't know how I end up enjoying this, but my wife being a biology teacher, she got me to watch something called Cells at Work. And it's basically, you, you have human-looking characters, but they're all, you know, there's red blood cells and white blood cells and all the different things. And they live inside all these buildings, which is supposed to be inside of a human body. And generally, every yeah. every episode, cool. something happens. Uh, like the one, the big season finale of, of the first season was that they 
of course, on the inside of the body, they don't know what happened to their person, but there was like this massive accident where they had a head wound and a concussion. And uh, it's funny because like when there's an open wound, people who are supposed to be blood cells go flying out and, you know, like they're sucked <laughs> out into the void, you know. Uh, it's it's actually really innovative and creative, and you can actually learn from this little little cartoon. And so I've, I've kind of enjoyed watching it, and they're really, really fun. So, I mean, that's pretty much my attempts at watching anything was – you know, what my wife trying to get me to watch some anime. Did you watch anything good this week? Yeah. So uh, it's okay if I go back two weeks, though. That, that'll <laughs> work. I mean, I, I haven't been on since 2022 <laughs> or whatever. Um, no. So uh, Secret Invasion, I've been up to date. I, I podcast about um, Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe with Welcome to Level 7. And so I've been keeping on top of that. Um, I won't say anything more about that because I don't want to um, I don't want to spoil anything or anything like that. But I. Uh, the other two things from this week that I've been watching um, are I finally got around to watching Silo. Uh, and so that's an Apple Plus show, mm-hmm. sci-fi. Uh, the reason I finally got around to watching it was because I had been watching Foundation. And and I enjoyed the season one of Foundation. And so I was just uh, – I had a friend who was bugging me. You got to watch Silo. You got to watch Silo. And just, okay, I'll get around to it. Once Foundation Season 2 comes, I'll renew Apple Plus, and then I'll watch what you want me to watch. Well, Foundation Season 2 has been okay. They're going to... I'm really hoping that it gets better, because I was really high on it when with Season 1. Um, and I know some people didn't like it because it's too different from the books. Some people didn't like it because it followed the books. Some people didn't like it because it wasn't very good. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, it's different than the original trilogy, but it's different in that they're taking uh, Asimov's idea and then just kind of building on it and and doing it in a modern way because the science doesn't match. <laughs> and so they had to like – like the 1950s understanding of science does not match the 19 – or 2020s understanding of science. And so – I appreciated it for what it was, but Silo then, because I had foundation, I just blasted through that first season of Silo and just, just loved every minute of it. It's about um, people who are living in a silo and they don't know anything about what's on the outside. Uh, They've forgotten their history and anything that they find that is like an artifact from our time uh, is if it's there's some things they consider safe, it's just like a a stuffed bear, maybe. Mm. But if it's got information, if it's if it's a book, um, or if it's a you know flash drive or anything like that, it you can actually be um, sent to the outside just for possessing it. Whoa! And going outside means you're going to die, you know. And so they, um, and the book is called Wool. And so after I watched the first season, which goes through about the first half of the book, I'm like. I'm I'm getting this book from my library. Um, I got the app on my phone where I can um, listen to audiobooks, and um, so I I'm the reason they call it wool is because what what you do when you go outside is they give you some wool to go and wipe off the camera lens mm. that gets dirty over time, and no one can go outside without dying. And so the people that they um, shun and send out. They they say here take this you don't have to clean it but we hope you will you know and so <laughs> um, so that's why it's called wool uh, but I'm halfway through the second book of this trilogy now because the the series was just phenomenal and the, I feel like it's the opposite of Foundation where they're just being really really true to it there's certain things they've done with characters and changed gender for one of the characters you know the things that they do for TV shows <laughs> but it's it's very true to what the book was and the author is a producer on it and that so silo um 
foundation I've been watching, but not super excited about. And then Strange New Worlds. That's the other one ah. that um, and tying into San Diego Comic-Con, they for the San Diego Comic-Con Star Trek panel had a big focus on animation and they showed from what I understand, they showed the people at the panel um, and the episode where it's a crossover between Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. And so it has the animated characters in the live action uh, episode, but they showed that episode and then they released it early. And so last week there were two episodes of Strange New Worlds. One was released on uh, Thursday as usual. And then the other one was released Friday night. I think it was. And so that was kind of fun. And so that does mean though, that instead of 10 weeks of the show, there's only nine weeks of the show because they doubled up one week. But um, <laughs> we're but coming up really apparently enjoying. on a musical episode, though, if I've heard the right. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> excited about that one. Why? I, <laughs> so there were there were two things um, when they when they were talking about what's coming up for Strange New Worlds when they were talking about the crossover with Lower Decks. I wasn't super excited about that. I'm not a big fan of Lower Decks. I've seen every episode of the series that they've done, and I uh, enjoy and appreciate the humor because it is very good Star Trek satire. I just don't like that it exists in canon. Yeah. You know, it just, to me, I feel like it should be, you know, let it be the goofy Star Trek thing, but it is in canon. And so I was not looking forward to this crossover episode, but it ended up being much better than I expected. And it ended up working. That was the other thing. I'm like, how does that want to work? So now you've got this musical episode they announced. And I, I watched the trailer for it, and I'm just – I'm not excited about this. I, like, I'm just not. It's like they forgot but, they're doing Star Trek. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, you got a Buffy musical episode. You've got a, um, you know, a lot of shows that do the musical episode. Thing is, when you do a sitcom and do the musical episode, that's one thing because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a sitcom. And they do whatever they want. Uh, if you have – you know, the Buffy one – it sounds like this will be similar more along those lines where I think there was like a music demon or something or that might have been the Batman Brave and the Bold musical episode. But there is, <laughs> you know, a music bad guy that made everyone sing. Oh, goodness. It sounds like it's going to be some sort of anomaly that causes them to either um, hallucinate the musical or do the music because they're, you know, under some sort of weird control or um, that's how they have to express themselves. I don't know, but there's, there's original songs. There's a vocal arrangement of the opening music that did sound really cool. Mm. It, it did sound really good, but, um, so I'm not looking forward to that one. That one's not this week, but next week that's, that's episode nine. So yeah, but I'm looking forward to episode 10 though. It's called the hegemony and that's what they call the Gorn. And mm. so the question is, how well is this going to – and the question with every episode of, of Strange New Worlds is how well does this prequel show line up with canon yeah. for the original series that honestly even the original series wasn't paying attention to canon very, <laughs> very well sometimes. But but anyway, yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's what I've been enjoying. So. Yeah. I, well, I think back in the 60s, I don't, they didn't worry about canon so much. <laughs> You're just trying to make to. a good they, show, you know. It just wasn't a thing to to really bother with. You you want the basic ideas, yeah. But um, you know they changed the name of Starfleet six times or five times in the first <laughs> first season. Yeah. Um, 
They wanted yeah. you to be able to just sit down in any episode and be able to watch from beginning to end and understand what was going on. You didn't need an explanation of what happened last season. You could just sit and watch any go. episode of yep. the original series. Next Generation yep. still had that going on. You could you could jump in and actually, okay, I, I get this. But yeah, with the modern audiences, the, <clears> our <throat> expectations are different. We want it all connected now, and we want to have yeah. the season tells an overall story, but maybe each episode has, an, has a small story, but somehow contributes to the big story. And I'm not sure when that but, changed, but... But Strange New Worlds has kind of gone back to that. Now, there are through lines and there are character arcs that go from episode to episode. And it's not quite the same as like uh, Next Generation where they would be like, yeah, there was an attack at an outpost over here and it left everything just completely missing. And then two episodes later, the Borg show up. You know, it wasn't (laughs) quite it's not quite that thin. But it's similar in, in that they have like, oh, here's this problem over here that we're thinking about. Uh, but that's not what this episode is about. You know, more the, it's it's more like the X Files, mm. uh, where it was monster of the week, monster of the week, and then oh, governmental shenanigans. You know, <laughs> and, and so it's, it's been kind of like that. So I've I've appreciated it. Uh, Strange New Worlds this season, I wish was doing more exploration and more of the strange, you know, new world of the week, because um, there have been just these episodes where it's kind of oh, okay, but they've been. I think kind of focusing on um, different cast members for each episode. And so there's been a, an Uhura episode and there's been a number one episode and there's been a Pike episode and a Spock episode, a couple Spock episodes. Yeah. yeah um, I think I saw that one from this year. I, I saw it basically just a complaint about it. It's like to turn Spock human, then they had to teach him how to Vulcan. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awful. So I haven't, I haven't gotten into watching it. I never, you know, like the first season of Picard, I was like, something's just not right here. Uh, and I've heard like the first season of Strange New Worlds was fantastic. This season maybe not as good. It's not quite, but I will say this: they are kind of trying to follow the same mold of the original series, where it's serious, serious, goofy, serious, serious, goofy, and you know, and, and that's actually I, I didn't really notice that until um, when Star Trek Four came out. I read an interview, and they're like, "Yeah, this is the fourth episode of the movie series." Serious, serious, serious comedy. Serious, serious. serious. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, I kind of see that. I, oh, I can see my that goodness. original series. And and so, yeah, there's, the Lower Decks episode was goofy. The musical episode, I'm sure, will be goofy. Yeah. So, and there's only one episode in between them. But, I, I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate that they're trying to yeah. mirror or rhyme with the original series. So. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it's going to be like the music is the only way they can communicate with with certain race. Maybe they meet a new race and they everything they speak is musical. That would be yeah, interesting. I, I could see that working. I just don't know. I mean, yeah. the 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 trailer made it look like there's some sort of anomaly that they go yeah. through. Um, but there's always some sort of anomaly, right? So. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> All right, so the next thing we have on Host Chatter is what have you been playing? And I finally have, well, actually, I completed two games now. Uh, I finally completed God of War Ragnarok. And uh, I, so I've played both of those games now back to back. You know, first time through on those. And the first God of War games I've actually completed at all because, I mean, I, I played a little bit of the first one way, way back, but just never, I got stuck and then I never got unstuck. Uh, but this, uh, uh, this I'm going to show in some contrast of something we'll be getting into later, but uh, this had a lot of, I mean, good good lessons. I mean, on on fatherhood, 
uh, a good, you know, you've got, you're partnering in with Freya most of the time. So good men and women working together yeah. as partners. Nobody's dominating on it or domineering at all on each other. We're just like, we're a team. Uh, good, I mean, good character growth with, uh, because of course you see, of course, his son Atreus. You see him growing up and kind of coming into his own and finding his place in the world. But then Kratos, who is a character that, when you get it any way familiar with some of the old ones, he was very much anger and vengeance and all this stuff. And as we've come into the beginning of these newer games, we've seen him, you know, on a different path where he's trying to get away from everything he'd done uh, as a as a angry god when he became the god of war and then killed all the Greek gods. He's trying to get away from that, start a new life, but he's still very stoic as we get a lot of flashbacks. But he met a, a giantess who's more human-sized, and uh, she, you know, women make us better in a lot of ways. Uh, hopefully in a marriage we make them better too. Uh, right. But, you know, we, we see that, and we got a lot of flashbacks in the second game of her, you know, talking to him and one of the last things she said to him as a uh, this oh this wrapped it up and this I near I nearly I nearly nearly fell apart cuz like the the beginning of the first god of war you see them and you actually get to chop down the tree and it's got this yellow handprint on it like it was marked there were certain trees that were chosen to be the funeral pyre for when uh Faye has passed away and in the second game we get to see that last scene where they're going out she knows she's dying and they never say what she died of but we see her getting the paint and he's helping her get paint and she's marking trees and she's choosing the trees for her funeral pyre as they're having the last conversation and like the last thing she says to him you what you need to be able to learn is to open your heart to the world like you opened your heart to me the world's not all out to get you you don't have to be mad at the world just open your heart up a little bit to it and that's kind of like the lesson that he learned, but he doesn't fully learn it until he finally, as much as he's very protective of his son during the whole time, finally at the end when he's realized uh, his son has stepped into a, some sort of level of independence and everything. It, and he's been telling his son the whole time that you must shut out the pain of everything we do. And when we have fight, when something dies or whatever, something bad happens, we must shut it out. He's been doing it for two games. Then finally, he just has that moment. He says, Atreus, forget what I told you. Don't shut it out. That is your mm. gift, is that you have empathy. You care. Open your heart up to the world. Feel the pain, because that's why you care so much about stuff, and you're going to make a better better god than I was. Because, you know, Kratos' perspective is all the gods are, of course, jealous and horrible and everything, and even the ones he's meeting all the Norse gods now in these games, and most of them are pretty horrible as well. So... It's just interesting, that growth, and I hope I didn't spoil anything for anyone, but, oh, that the moments in this game and the journey uh, of learning how to be a father, because, you know, when Faye dies, now he's suddenly like, you know, you know he cares for his son, but he doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to show it, and there's a lot of times in the first game where he wants to kind of put an arm on his shoulder and he kind of reaches up, but he just kind of pulls back. So he's not really sure how to express that he does care for his son until it gets onto this point. Although you see the way he cares with uh, if anything dares threaten Atreus, he gets mad. But that's that's kind of like part of the second game was pointing to is like how how the prophecies from the the uh, oh I forgot what the Greek ones were. The uh, wow the mu- not the muses. They had a name in Greek. Wow, I can't believe I uh, forgot this. Not the Furies. The Fates. The fates, fates yeah. and then there's a name for like a version of them in Norse mythology too. That's uh, I forgot what that was a word I hadn't heard before. Um, but how they basically say you, we can, we, we don't have to know much of the future to be able to prophesy stuff on you. You just do what's true to character, so we just know what you're going to do because you're not going to change. <laughs> and so it's basically Kratos being able to say, I can change. I don't have to be the monster 
that they made me to be in Greece. I can choose to be something else. And by the end of it, he even gets to make a choice to where he's going to be a protector, which is like that is that is true masculinity is that's that's in your family. You are that protector and that's the way you should be. And we're going to get into that later when we talk about a movie review of where it's part of that, that that what true masculinity does wants to protect. You know, we we what we love, we protect. And I that that theme came through very good. I'm like, wow, I feel like I don't get this message through my, that much media anymore. And to have it in a game and done this well was outstanding. So, uh, so I finally finished that. And then when I was done with it, I was like, okay, I've got a backlog like a mile long. I finally, I only had a little bit more to do on Borderlands. So I finally, I know that's an old game. I finally yeah, finished Borderlands. <laughs> So now I'm gonna I'm starting up another old game, Just Cause Three, which is as ridiculous as I thought it would be, <laughs> blowing stuff up. I'm having a hard time with the controls, but uh, yeah, you get getting the link to do things together and crash things together and blow stuff up. It's really just stupid fun. So uh, I had a good time playing with that a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll hopefully get a lot more time, and I do plan on. Uh, I think I did live stream first time playing. There will be more videos to come if you go to Neverland Official Gaming Channel. You can see lots of video of me playing. I didn't know if I, there would be a lot stuff in God of War that I could share. There's a bit of language. Some characters cuss a lot and most of them don't, but there is a, like one dwarf that would just had the filthiest mouth and I try to not have that on the channel, but there is a gaming channel. Also, of course, don't forget the official Neverland the Fandom Nexus YouTube channel where you can hear audio and see video if you're a Patreon member. So, see, that's how I get to plug things too. You played <laughs> anything good this week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Super Mario Kart. That's, awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been my unwind after I get home from work, and um, I've been—I I have the uh, Super NES Mini that they did a couple years ago, and just adore it. It's just so nice to—you know—it's got Super Metroid, it's got Super Mario Brothers, it's got—oh, um, uh, it's got the—it's got two Kirby games. It's, it's just got a ton of uh, Street Fighter uh, Two, and it's mm. got. Um, uh, Super Punch Out, uh, but Super Mario Kart. I've been playing, and it just takes me back to college. Oh you yeah, know? like I, where we were just. There was one time we snuck up over the drop ceiling and over the center block wall to get into our friend's room so we could just play Super Mario Kart in his room. <laughs> um, and so I've been just working my way through one circuit at a time, and just uh, I will not rest until I have the gold trophy. In all of them. And so uh, what's nice about the game is um, it allows you to have save states. And so I can where it used to be, you could continue if you wanted, but you only had three or four continues. And then if you lose, you just have to start over. But now I can just win this race and I play the next one until I win and I play the next one until I win and I play the next one until I win. And um, and my 12-year-old has been enjoying uh, watching me, although he's not enjoying playing against me because <laughs> I destroy him. So it's one of the few places where I, I can absolutely yeah. destroy him. So That is one of the nice yeah, things. That's been uh, my, my game for the last week and a half or so has been just kind of jumping on there and reliving the glory days, I yeah. guess, of racing digital creatures. <laughs> I completely missed out on that, the SNES Mini. But I did get the NES Mini. But the nice thing about with the Nintendo Switch and having the uh, their their 
online account is they give you access to a library of all these different systems. And they have most of those games on there, and they do have a save state, so I can still play some stuff. The mm-hmm. only thing they're missing is they don't have Street Fighter 2 on there. However, their Sega Genesis thing has their version of Street Fighter 2. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, I can still play it on here. And uh, they, you know, they do have it adapted to where eventually you know, the Sega did come out with a six-button control. So you can adapt that over and still play it. And so I, I format it to where it, it does the buttons do match what the Super Nintendo was for Street Fighter 2. So it's kind of the same. It just sounds different. Because uh, yeah. Sega had a very different sound engine and a little bit more but arcade on some levels. But it's just That's great. where I played Street Fighter 2 was Sega. Ah. Like, so someone else down the hall had Sega. And then I had my <laughs> Atari 2600. So Oh, nice. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, we had fun. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But, I mean, it was... 10 years late when in college. <laughs> so that was when you could go to big lots and get Atari cartridges for a dollar. Oh, wow. Because it was just leftover stock. And yeah, you know, it was, yeah. Yeah. But now anyway, I just got to, yeah. I got a plug and play where you plug it into the TV and it's got a bunch mm-hmm. of pre-programmed games, but I didn't realize yeah. that most Atari games were two players and you're by yourself. and like, I can't really play this. Combat's no fun yes. without a computer to Com- control the other side. <laughs> it is not. Unless you set goals for yourself. Can I, you know, play the one where when you shoot it, it like jumps it across the screen? And can I do, you know, 30 shots in the time frame allotted? You know, <laughs> you got to get creative. And yeah. I did when I was a kid and I played alone. I got creative on how do I how do I do this? But <laughs> That's an, I think I'm going to try that out now. All righty. It's <clears> time, <throat> though, to jump. Hopefully I'm going to hit the right button. I always hit the wrong button when we go into our news. But let's see what happens. Right button. <laughs> I bet you recognize this little tune if you're hearing it. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Yeah, I found a mini version of a tune that's actually from an old NES game, but I won't say what, because who knows, some copyright might have to come after me at some point. <laughs> okay, so I, like I mentioned, there is a lot of stuff from Planet Comic Con. Uh, this is probably where I'm going to go and hit the share screen for anybody who are watching video, and that way uh, also Ben can then see what I'm looking at. And I'll share computer sound when I do this too. There we go. So, all right. Let me get back to where I'm reading it. So a lot of looks at some new toys and products for San Diego Comic-Con uh, from like Hasbro. Uh, they, they've got a really cool, uh, I guess it would be more the uh, American Patriot or the Iron Patriot figure mm-hmm. here. And also a fantastic Magneto helmet. But uh, the, the key thing I want to get after, and some of these apparently are in stores with the upcoming X-Men 97 series coming to Disney+. Plus. They've got toys already out. Uh, the odd thing is they, uh, they it's looks like they've went for a very retro style design. The weird thing is they did make some alterations like uh, Cyclops is not wearing yellow underwear. <laughs> I guess that's what you'd say huh. on that one. Uh, but they did a really nice job of bringing back that classic look. There's a Sentinel and the Blackbird and uh, Storm and White. I mean, these look just like the old toys from the 90s that I used to have. Uh, slightly different, but very, very cool. And so I'm excited to... I, I'm trying to. I'm running out of space to put toys, <laughs> but <laughs> I keep finding stuff. And of course, some new additions coming from Marvel Legends. Let's see what was some of the other ones that I thought were big deals. Oh, look at this! A Cobra Hiss. That's cool a looking. new one because they they've been uh, relaunching the the GI Joe series uh, and making 
more of a, I think they're about, I'm, I'm going to say they're probably about six inch figures of classic characters. Uh, and mm-hmm. you can see in the background some uh, Indiana Jones. They're making a kind of an old classic Kenner style. And uh, Philip actually has picked up some. He's even found an old, the LJN made ones back from the 80s. Uh, so he's been excitedly picking those up. Uh, and of course, there's some newer stuff. Uh, there's some figures based off the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So you have more of a human looking Grand Inquisitor instead of what he looked like in Star Wars Rebels. And let's see. Of course, we got a new Ahsoka figure. Of course, yeah. we do because of that series coming up. We've got, of course, a look at the Mandalorian's version of a. Uh, oh, it's a, it's got a specific number. A starfighter, though, that would have been yeah. It's N one starfighter that he's now uh, flying around in. Where it's basically Which the one from Naboo. My twenty two year old thinks that is the best looking ship in Star Wars right now. Like he just loves the look of that ship. It is cool. Which, it's cool, but I never liked the. I think it's the, the it's tainted by the whole it's a Naboo starfighter <laughs> from Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still like the Phantom Menace, though. What's weird to me is that, you know, we saw his ship before in the series and he had plenty of space to, you know, when he when he captured somebody, he could he could lock them in somewhere. had plenty of room for him and Grogu. This is a starfighter. OK, so he's going to travel yeah. and live in this thing. So it, it doesn't seem practical. But, of course, we did see at the end of last season that, you know, he's found himself a nice little home on a planet there. So I guess he can just use it when he's on trips. Uh, and also, this is cool. The, uh, who remembers Star Wars The Force Unleashed? I didn't play the second one, but I played the first one and loved it. They got figures based off of those games now. Very, very cool. I'm pretty excited about that. I don't know that I'm going to be purchasing some of this stuff because it's going to be expensive. I'm, and I've, yeah. I've noticed I don't really collect Star Wars toys. I mainly collect, uh, I mean, I have a few, but I mainly collect you know, like posters or different kind of things. My Star Wars collection does not really range in there. All right, lots more stuff. Even Mattel Creations uh, had a lot of different stuff. Now, some of this, I think, is already out because uh, uh, over here they had a WWE Ultimate Edition Muhammad Ali action figure set, which Philip has already ordered. He was super excited. Oh, okay. He sent me a message. It's uh, the. I wish they had a picture of the box, but you have almost like two different Muhammad Ali figures in this set. It's at seventy dollars, and you have one where they've got him posed in the box, and they got put him in the picture where he's knocked out uh, the previous champion. I think that's when it, when he when he won the championship from the other guy. Yep, I can't think. Of it. Was, was it Joe Frazier? I believe. I think I don't know. I wasn't alive. Uh, yeah, <laughs> down goes Frazier. But you have where he do that photo. You always see of Muhammad Ali where he's standing over uh, the guy that he's knocked down. It's basically that. And then the on the other side of it, it's him dressed as the referee in WrestleMania. And it's huh. uh, they put him in there next to like you know pictures of Hulk Hogan, and so he had to order it. Philip was just super excited. Uh, he's also been talking about these Jurassic World and Jurassic Park uh, sets where they have a, a Steven Spielberg with a camera, and you can get an entire set. Oh yeah, here it is. Here's like some of the there, pictures yeah. here. You can see Muhammad Ali there, so you can put you know with the uh, other characters. Uh, I think you know th- yeah. There's the inside there where he's got standing over somebody, and then this changing pictures and it's not letting you look at it very but yeah then, then holding up Hulk Hogan's hand as a winner so it comes with two uh, I'm looking for there it is so it's apparently this entire set piece where you have Steven Spielberg with a camera and a dinosaur and like the Lophosaurus uh, and these are completely different Jurassic Park sets uh, you huh. can even get a set where it's Spielberg with the Lophosaurus and it looks like Dennis Nedry is here and apparently these are going yeah, yeah. being sold as entire kits which is really, really stinking cool. And I'm kind of tempted to get something, but I don't know where in the world I would set this thing up at. Uh, a lot of neat stuff and a lot of stuff. I'm like, whatever. I don't know what this is. Uh, I don't know why we have a Minecraft panda. 
and a lot of cutesy kind of things. But yeah, that was the main one. Some, um, is this some of the new Masters of the Universe? Yeah, I think it's for the uh, Netflix series uh, that I didn't pay attention to where they kind of did a computer animated. Uh, but I believe we do have some new figures that are hopefully on this page. I did see some when I was watching Pixel Dan. Uh, nope, but there are some new figures for the upcoming Masters of the Universe Revolution. The new series, animated from Kevin Smith, is coming very soon. He says, uh, I, I've seen tweets from him where he said it's, so they're, they're almost done. Uh, they're right now getting some music scored to it, but they have some new figures. I saw a Tila as uh, being the new sorceress, which looks really cool. It's a neat looking figure. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. I really enjoyed the other animated series. It was just nice to have some He-Man back on, uh, on, on the TV again with some new stuff. Uh, also, we did. I got a little thing on my screen. There we go. So, of course, there's some new wrestling figures, which I don't pay a whole lot of attention on modern wrestling. But, uh, I mean, we've got all three versions of McFoley here now coming out. <laughs> nice. Which is, yes, yeah, very nice. And it looks to me like um, that almost looks like Andre. It's hard to tell. I wonder if I can get a bigger version of that. I'm pretty sure that's Andre here with an Iron Sheik, like a new version of Andre. Yeah. Although Iron Sheik's hand is really big as far as the foreshortening goes. Yeah, Yeah, he's standing really close to where they took the photo. So I think they were trying to get a picture of Andre and and the Iron Sheik just happened to be there. But (laughs) getting these nice vintage wrestlers has been really, really great. Uh, I've even got, speaking of WrestleMania, uh, Philip actually for Christmas got me the Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. well, I guess they were in separate boxes. Yeah, they were a different thing. But, oh, my gosh, I had to get those out of the box and dress them up and, and get them all appropriate and give Mr. T's got his little arm workout thing that he was coming down to the ring with. <laughs> uh, but they, these, um, you know, they've been, I've got a couple of where they've been doing these new superstars where they're kind of, but they're they're set up like a Masters Universe Origins figure, but they're like classic characters. I never did find myself a Hulk Hogan, but I did manage to get a oh. Ted DiBiase Million Dollar Man, which I didn't get so much because I liked him as a Million Dollar Man. I got it mainly because I like who Ted DiBiase has become. He's a fantastic dude. Um, and his son is doing a lot of great things these days, too. But I think if I scroll down here, oh, but some of these figures look great. I mean, look, there's even, uh, wow, my brain just went out the, run, the window. Terry Funk down in here. All these old classic. Look, there's even the Heart Foundation. All these new <laughs> figures coming out. Uh, and, of course, here's a little bit more modern. Just just super exciting if you're in, if you're if we're a classic wrestling fan. Even if you're up through the Stone Cold generation, you know, there's there's new characters, you know, or new wrestlers coming out in this line. And, uh, oh, look at this Andre. Even where he's carrying uh, some sort of championship belt with Captain Lou Albano. That's funny. Oh, and I think of this over here as a classic style Hulk Hogan from when, like, the 70s. Uh, oh, look at here. And we even have good old Paul Bearer. <laughs> and these figures, though, remind me of, uh, it's kind of like the second wave of WWF toys. Because, you know, first we had those big kind of giant unmovable ones. And then they gave right, the, right. those little ones that have the little action fi- features. And that's what this reminds me of. They're that, clo- that classic style. And even finally got a figure of... Uh, Oh, what was her name? Not Sherry. Sensational Sherry was a different thing. But, uh, wow. I remember she was in the old uh, Rock and Wrestling animated series. And now her name escapes me. Yeah, I don't remember either. Man. This was never one of my big fandoms. I I did enjoy, um, I watched it, but I wasn't like super into it. Um, And when I was watching it, of course, it was WWF. It was, um, I mean, you're talking late 80s, early 90s, so. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was in there, kind of that mid-80s. After watching Rock and Wrestling is when I realized, hey, these are real people. And 
started seeing it. Now, here's some of the stuff I am super, super excited for. And I thought my Master of the Universe collection, I've filled up the only portions of the wall I had for that. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to stop. I won't be purchasing anymore. I'm done. And then they had to go and make <laughs> brand new cartoon-based figures. And each one of these figures, they said, is based on a particular episode of their classic 80s series. So this fantastic-looking He-Man, he's got a secondary sword, and I, I cannot for the life of me place where that sword's from, though. And uh, So I'm going to have to rewatch the series. I have the entire series on uh, on DVD, so I'm uh, pretty excited about that. And even uh, Skeletor, well, I guess you don't see in this picture I'm about to click on, but he's got the Masks of Power here pictured next to him, which they're not showing in this picture. Uh, but he comes with those. Uh, I missed out on getting a good trap jaw figure uh, when the Origins came out. And I do have a classic style trap jaw. He doesn't have all of his accessories, but these figures just look fantastic. Uh, I would I would almost say like because I've got some of the Super Seven that were based off the animated series that are uh, built like the classic figures and they colorized or colorized, but they colored them to look like the animated series. But uh, these are kind of like a Super 7 at some point did make some figures that try to look com- more like the animated series. And that's what these figures look like, except for these would be more fi- affordable, being that they're of the Origins line style, except for they're made to look like the Filmation series. And these figures look fan-stinking-tastic. And so now I'm going to have to go get those. And, of course, <laughs> something that uh, Philip is going to be excited about. He's like, you know what? I, I had a Gwildor figure. I want Gwildor back from the, the, the movie. Yes, Gwildor. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might be the Masterverse line because their Masterverse line has a little bit more realistic look. Oh, and if you actually for this picture I have on screen, if you look behind him, there is the Tila as uh, the new sorceress. But uh, from what I've been hearing, Gwildor is going to come in a two-pack with this wild version of Orko, which huh. is kind of neat. It's a little different. Uh, I don't know that. I think that might be the way he's going to look in uh, Revolution because... Uh, he undergrew quite a bit of a change there in uh, the second half of the uh, Revelation series. Uh, so I think that's what this is kind of reflective of. So that makes me wonder if he's two-packing in with Gwildor, if that is true, then maybe Gwildor is about to make an appearance in this new animated series. That'd be interesting. That'd be very... And maybe we'll get a cosmic key. I don't know if that's what he's holding down here. <laughs> I'm not sure, but how cool would that be? Just please don't travel to Earth. Oh, well, there's better pictures. Maybe we can see what he's got. No, that's the same one I clicked on before. Can we see what you're holding? You know, it kind of looks like it might have indentations mm. for buttons. Maybe he's got a cosmic key. And he's got some sort of alternate version of a power sword that looks like that's gonna he's going to come with. So I'm wondering what the story of Gwildor is going to be. Maybe they're going to come around to where he's the one who made the sword or something. Like he's ancient or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, look at this picture. That is the Cosmic Key. There you go. Oh. There it is. Oh, man. I'm, I'm all excited now. <laughs> that is cool. And then uh, there's just a regular skeleton key there on his belt, too. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wonder what that's going to be about. It uh, probably won't, won't do anything. Uh, and I have no idea what this version of Skeletor is that they're showing. Uh, it looks like a little robotic kind of Skeletor thing going on. I don't know. But even the packaging for these new cartoon-style figures is really cool. They they try to make it different. Instead of doing, like, the typical red backing where it looks like an asteroid blew up, it's kind of that blue uh, animated series-looking uh, Castle Grayskull. So very, very cool. Super, super excited for that. Let's see. And I, oh, I didn't actually find a picture. I should have also pulled up. Uh, then, In fact, I, Pixel Dan has a video where they're discussing whether or not this is almost too big. 
But uh, but there is some new um, wow Thundercats. My brain went out the window. I almost called them Lion Cats. Uh, but there's some new Thundercats uh, line of toys out, and they've got the uh, oh, what do they call the home for them? They're they built you know their big giant lion thing, and they have a playset that is humongous. That is, of course, because these Thundercat figures are, are fairly big anyway. So, of course, you're going to okay. do their big uh, lion thing. It's, you know, they wanted to have a whole land and a whole thing. It's huge. I have no idea how much they're going to retail that thing for, but oh my goodness, it's going to be expensive. But it looks really, really cool. But it's one of those things like, yeah, that's out of my price range. And I don't know where in the world <laughs> I would ever set the thing up. But I wasn't really ever that much into the Thundercats anyway, because I was getting to the point where I wouldn't want to be playing outside by the time Thundercats was coming on TV in the afternoon. So I just didn't watch it. And then I, it's one of those ones where I started watching it when I was older and I saw like, that's really cheesy. <laughs> which is the same thing I've noticed with uh, Rankin Bass's other big one, Silverhawks, which I loved when I was yeah. young and watching it. But yeah. you watch it when you're older and like, ooh. But I did see Super 7 does have uh, some new Silverhawks figures. Uh, people were saying uh, when they released the first line that was based off the animated, it's that they looked like the cartoon, which I thought was fantastically cool. But people want, were hoping that they'd get something that looked more like the Silverhawks toys they had, where they had that nice silver chrome paint yeah. on it. And they, they they took a while to get to where it was going to work. They were trying to find a way to, to where it didn't rub off so easily. And I was watching a video. They do have these chrome ones. It's going to cost you a bit more to get these. And they recommend... Because they figure, all right, well, adults are the ones going to buy this, not kids, because you can't really play with these because the, the, it will flake off this chromeness. So they recommend you pose it however you want and then leave it alone. And that it will always be perfect and beautiful because even <laughs> it, when the guy was showing it to Pixel Dan in this video, the oil from his hands was even getting out. He said, look, it fingerprints real easy. This, we did it. You know, it's metal backing. So it's very mirror. And so it looks really cool. But hmm. he says, don't handle it or play with it and stuff. This is one for you to display and enjoy like that and and have reminisce that you did have a figures that look like that but i've seen some of them silverhawks figures from back in the 80s as they were played with you know that that paint and stuff it just came yeah, right off and that didn't look good i never anymore. had any but my friends did and they yeah. were a mess they were yeah. a mess so they were they were they were trying to find a way around that and they mostly did they said where they've they've made the material differently but they needed to have it uh pliable but yet stiff because uh, and he even showed, like, if you were to squeeze on, like, Quicksilver's waist or something, if you were to squeeze that, he says the the outside layer would crack. So they needed to make hmm. it of a, stu- a sturdier material, but they wanted it pliable so you, it's it's good movable and stuff like that. So they had to find that balance, so it took a long time to get the figures to look like they are. So the guy was like, I hope you all appreciate that. I know this is what you all wanted, but it it we wanted to make sure it was of good quality. So... I understand, but of course, if I could afford to get them, these are expensive Super 7 figures. If I could afford to get them, I would probably get the ones that look like the cartoon, because when they first showed those, yeah. I was just like, oh, look at that, it's beautiful. Well, and that's where my nostalgia is. My nostalgia is for the cartoon. I didn't mm-hmm. have any of the figures. I had no interest in any of the figures. I'm trying to remember how even how old I was. Um, it would have been... 87. Yeah, it was probably after I was into yeah, like, um, collecting. Yeah, I would have been 13. So I was watching the show... It was okay enough, but the, um, but I never had any of the figures. Yeah, uh, I did have some friends who did though. Um, you know the cartoon from that period that still holds up, at least a little better, I think, than than Thundercats and Silverhawks. It's Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. Uh, yeah, the often overlooked that one. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. Yeah, that one still holds up, kind of. Um, I mean, 
it's got the nostalgia factor. It mm-hmm. also has the definitely made for kids factor. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and of course, uh, J. Michael Straczynski mm-hmm. um, worked on it. He, he was a writer on that. And so that was, I don't know if it was his first big, big break, but one of them. And well, he, I believe so he, he also brought, wrote on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe as well. He did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been before the, yeah. before Jace and the Wheel of Warriors. Um, Love to see but Jace and the Wheel of Warriors. He was involved in development. Mm-hmm. And where, where with He-Man, it was as, as a writer. And, right. Yeah. yeah I, I, it just amazes me what he's been involved in. Yeah. The Will Warriors, I was actually watching the thing on YouTube about that, and they, they didn't have that much story with the, the toys at first, mm-hmm. and they had to develop it to make that animated series, and it was a great series. It was so good. Only lasted, yeah. I think, though, like one season, though. Right, right. It was so short-lived, but it was so good. on a cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. But I loved the idea of just the, the plants moving through space, mm-hmm. and they're driving on the plants. and It's just, it's so out there mm-hmm. and unrealistic that it kind of wraps back around to, like, just fantastical and and cool so yeah, yeah maybe they'll they'll find a way to bring those that's the series out on dvd or something i've never seen it come out on that and maybe they'll maybe the toys <clears> will come back i don't know about the the toys weren't great though mm. although i'll never forget the commercial whereas you could stack 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 and attack because tack, 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 <laughs> yeah. it was all about how like they're they're modular and you can take yeah, the pieces off take of one and, and mm. build it. um but they didn't even have like the little minifigures that were in there weren't even characters from the show that was gonna be the second <laughs> wave but the show was canceled yep the toy line didn't do very well so why would they do a second wave that's referencing a cartoon that no one's watching so. yeah but i watched it i remember that one oh, but i'd love to watch it again because I, I there's so much i'd forgotten about it till i was watching this video where they uh and it might oh it might have been that one guy that it goes through a lot of retro toys but going through like pointing out what the plot lines were i'm like oh yeah now i kind of remember like all these different yeah. things and it was. It had a lot of really neat ideas. That it would be. It would be nice to have seen them wrap that up. Who knows? That if that ever comes back, that'd be great. But I, I doubt we'll get it. Of course, I didn't think we'd ever get Silverhawks back because that was actually something that only ran for like I think two seasons. So it it didn't catch on as well. But yet it's got a cult following. We're out here. Right. Exactly. Like there was enough people who have expendable income to, <laughs> to do it. Yeah. All right, now this is this, I've got a two-part this kind of story thing. This one excites me so much, man. Yes, Ryan Reynolds <laughs> bringing back Alf on his Maximum Effort channel. Now I don't even know what this Maximum Effort thing is. Um, it's something that has to do with Fubo. It's supposed to premiere actually this Saturday, July 29th, on the channel's first series of Maximum Moments with Alf creator Paul Fusco and Shout Studios, along with sponsored content from Mint Mobile, Fubo, Hims. MNTN, I have no idea what that is, and the ring featuring Alf himself. So I, I don't think this is necessarily a series, but I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm going to look because it seems like they're well, bringing in with all these sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're doing this uh, because there's a new set coming out that is uncut episodes. Yeah. We're actually about to get to that too. <laughs> yeah. And so they, yeah. And they've done a couple other things with Shout Factory on their website, but yeah, no, this this stuff, Alf. Uh, I'll never not love Alf. Right. <laughs> I, the only toys I had were the Burger King puppets, but we didn't have all of those. I wish I'd have gotten more of them toys, but I, I've seen that they have some new figures of Alf out, and I'm like, I need to go find those. But speaking of Shout Factory and Alf, yeah, it was just announced here recently the complete series deluxe edition, and you've got options. Because uh, I believe that the complete series, you're still going to get like the live action and both cartoons. 
Right. Uh, eighty four ninety nine for a deluxe edition there. But you keep stepping up the different editions where they have some artwork you get and magnets, it ridiculous soundtrack man. CDs. Then the further up you go, you get no, lunch no, boxes I, and. The, I don't think that's a soundtrack CD. That's a soundtrack LP. Oh well, that's right. That or, was supposed or, uh, to be an LP, single. isn't it? It's a single. Yeah, because um, it has on one side it's the "You're the One That's Out of This World." Oh yeah, and on the other side is the theme song. Nice. Yeah, which I'm, I'm still not going to put the money in for that. Yeah, two hundred thirty-four dollars and ninety-nine cents to get everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah the lunchbox. I mean, it's just oh. crazy with with some of those extras. But part of me really yeah. wants it though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at just like, oh my God. part of me <laughs> yeah I would have to you know I every time I get paid I get to set aside $50 for myself but I have other things uh, like paying for my, my PlayStation subscription uh, that kind of thing so I and plus I have to pay I'm still paying for my PS5 onto a, the Nebraska Furniture Mart card that I used so and I gotta take things into account and limit myself of what I'm going to save up for, and it would take me forever to save up to get one of these sets. And like, wow, that'd have to be. Oh, well, looky there, they're trying to advertise to me. So, so I'm excited about that though because it has. Mm-hmm. First of all, this is the first time that the entire animated series have been available. Yeah, both of them um, even. And both, yeah, the fairy tale one and the um, just adventures on Melmac one mm-hmm. that they had. But then also, it's the uncut episodes. The one mm-hmm. thing that is not uncut. Is the episode that was a, a clip show yeah. where he was gonna he's making a hot tub in the bathtub and he takes a um, electric mixer in with him yep. and gets electrocuted and loses his memory and then they're trying to jog his memory with all the clip show stuff. Instead, they switch it so he goes in there. He doesn't electrocute himself. He slips and falls. Right, hits his head. Um, that they kept that part because that, they 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 have a comment there that that episode was edited for content. And represents the best version available. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I understand the, they're, they're afraid kids were going to emulate something that Alf right, did, I right. guess. But then the episode Help Me Rhonda, I think is the name of it, um, where if you watch it on the DV set that I got, the it's chopped up so bad because they sing. There's Rhonda, who he had a crush on. Mm-hmm. And as she comes into the room, you get these scenes on Melmac, but they had to cut so much of it out because they were like singing Help Me Rhonda. And mm. it was licensed, maybe. I mean, it was, it's not the original song. It was just them singing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it was licensed, but it might not have been for broadcast, but then not for reruns and not for home media. And so it just looks, it's it's dumb. I, I <laughs> it, the the edit is just it, uh. it, it ruins the episode for me. Um, and so I was watching through it with the kids, and and we hit that episode, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's here comes Rhonda. And then you have this jump cut. Come on. And then (laughs) they sing it on the, you know, and so, but it's a great episode because Rhonda and one of his other friends come swinging by earth and they might be able to pick him up. Like they've survived, but then something happens. And of course, you know, it's eighties television. You have to reset at the end. Uh, But then it also, that set has project Alf, the TV movie. that Oh goodness. I've tried to watch it. I've tried. (laughs) It's not the same. It no, it's not. <laughs> and I'm trying to think because where because I know he even gets to talk to Rhonda, but that's not exactly the same. What's uh, I think it was even the first season where they have where they come to pick him up, but Alf kind of purposefully misses it because he'd missed the Tanners, so he misses yeah. the chance to pick him up. But I don't think that was the same episode where you finally get to see Rhonda. I don't think, or is I, it? Is that the same? No, I don't think it is. 
Yeah, it's it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I've got uh, I think first and second season on DVD, and it is available to watch on a lot of streaming services. Well, uh, Shout Factory, I, I believe, even on their website, yeah. it's free to watch there. And yeah, I think on Tubi as well. And yeah, with ads, maybe on Peacock, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think Peacock is where I've seen it, and you don't have to worry about the ads on Peacock because it's a paid service. Of course, I think Peacock is the one that puts ads for their own content, though, and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that there are ads with with Peacock. But, yeah, yeah, but it's it's available to watch. But it'd be nice to own and especially have it uncut. Mm-hmm. And because I don't know if Peacock or anybody's yeah. going to have that uncut episode or not because of the streaming things. I don't know. All right, the next thing I actually just copied this from. A, I was looking for a, maybe a website that would have a bit more, but I just copied it from what was posted onto a Facebook page. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series is finally coming to Nickelodeon. This was announced in Hall H at uh, at a Paramount Pictures thing for Mutant Mayhem. Kevin Eastman actually made this announcement. All 193 episodes of the animated series coming to Nickelodeon. Basically, it's going to be on the Paramount Plus service, which I'm keeping an eye out for. I I own the first four seasons digitally, uh, and I think I even have them on DVD. But I, I noticed a while back that Voodoo didn't have them anymore, so I couldn't purchase any more seasons. But really, it's the first four seasons I was mainly interested in. Uh, and, you know, you get after that, and I'd kind of almost outgrown. Uh, right. And yep. I, I'd gotten to where on Saturday, I didn't realize it was still airing on Saturday mornings because I was watching X-Men and Spider-Man by then, you know. <laughs> but they ran for 10 years. So, uh, but they went, uh, they tried to at one point go a little bit darker because Batman the Animated Series was out. Mm-hmm. And that, that really was kind of weird. I've seen some of the episodes. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. But I would kind of like to just see those other episodes just to kind of, you know, check them out. So when it all gets on there, I'm probably going to sit and watch. And sometimes that's even how I get myself to sleep at night as I pull out my digital copies and I'll pull them up on Voodoo and just let it run. And I'll watch a bit until I drift off to sleep. Nice. So it's just nice, you know, getting a chance to watch them all. It's going to be fantastic. And here's something else that, uh, now this has been out for a while. I'm a little behind the curve on this. But, uh, These are cool, though. Yeah, Disney 100 variant covers pay tribute to blockbuster Marvel Comics moments. This is the one I got to get. Mickey Mouse uh, as Amazing Spider-Man. There's the Tom McFarlane pose. Mm-hmm. I, I need to go check this out. And what if Mickey Mouse was bitten by a radioactive spider? Uh, I thought I saw something where they were going to do like the original cover on a thing as well. I've been seeing some other different images, but they're not here on this particular page. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they are. Oh, let me click this. And uh, there we go. <laughs> Marvel Super Heroes Secret Wars. This time, Mickey gets to be Captain America. And uh, is that him also as Iron Man or is that Mortimer? Mortimer was kind of tall, though. It is kind of where you got mm-hmm. Daisy Duck as Wolverine. I'd put Donald as Wolverine. That would make more sense than maybe Goofy as Cyclops would have been funny, but I guess they decided to be <laughs> Spider-Man this time. Hulk Pluto, but yeah, I'm not sure what's... Maybe that's Minnie. That's Minnie as Iron Man. Okay, yeah, Iron, Iron, Iron Yeah, because she's got Iron the bow. Mouse. She's got the bow yeah, there. got the yeah. bow. I thought that was just... Well, that makes sense because Iron Man here you know, had the weird orange pointy things on the mask. <laughs> so I guess in, in order to do something like similar to that, they thought, hey, I know, put the bow on her head. And oh yeah, this one too. The X Men yeah. cover, uh, the Jim That's Lee X Men cover, is really sweet. And I love the fact that they have. And this is here we go, Donald Duck Wolverine, which makes sense. And he's roasting marshmallows. Uh, but Goofy back here <laughs> as Iceman slipping on his own ice sled. Uh, come on, that's awesome. So uh, I, <laughs> I think I need to go to a comic shop and find these things. But I have a bad feeling they already are sold out faster than you can say. Look at Mickey Mouse's Cyclops and Spider Man, and yeah. But I'm still pretty excited to get a chance to check that out. And then as a weird bit of news, this kind of has been making headlines. Uh, 
American Heartland Theme Park, uh, expected to open the fall of 2026. Uh, this is a guy that uh, I don't think he started Pizza Hut, but he owned a massive franchise of a lot of Pizza Huts and uh, and Wendy's, which he sold. And there he is, Gene Bicknell, as you're seeing in the video, if you're watching on Patreon. Gene Bicknell spent $2 billion of his own money to uh, set things up where he's starting to build this theme park in Oklahoma. It's not too far away. That's driving drivable for me, I'd say. Uh, and I was watching some stuff. The plans he has for this park uh, has a Man Americana section uh, planned out where it's the 50s. Uh, oh, I even saw Charlotte's Web Barn House. But th- very, very cool theming of different parts hmm. of America where some's supposed to be like the, the Northwest area, some's like the coastline. And uh, I was watching some video about this. This looks just so, so cool. Uh, so I'm excited to actually get in there, but they do have a press release. I don't have time to go and read the entire press release to you. But there's going to be the Three Ponies RV park and campground, so you can bring your RV and camp. Uh, they're planning to have a nice 300-room hotel, modern indoor water parks. Going to be right off of Route 66. Come on, that's brilliant. When you're going to do an Americana-style park, Route 66. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, this just looks really, really cool. And there's all I, I was seeing a listing on that video that I was watching. Some of the people that have got in with them were people who worked at Disney during the heyday, had worked for Disney for 35 years, worked on the parks there. So you know the quality is going to be up to scratch. This is going to be a phenomenal park, I expect. And when they open this thing, I am already planning to have a nice vacation out there. I, I might be kind of old and crusty by then, but, and I'm already getting it. You know, I'm 46 years old, and my shoulders ain't what they used to be. I, I can't lay in the bed without hurting myself, but doggone it, I'm going. <laughs> I will ride some roller coasters. Uh, so I'm fairly excited. that This actually made headlines because somebody was like, whoa, this guy just shelled out $2 billion of his own money to start start up a theme park in Oklahoma. What's going on here? Uh, and I, then I started you know, looking in on this, and I said, this looks really fantastic. So I'm pretty excited about this. I don't know how much tickets are going to be once he gets it open. Hopefully he managed to keep the costs down because he does want to compete with Disney because, you know, a lot of people have said like, hey, how come uh, like Texas, we've you know, we've got a Six Flags or whatever, something that like Cedar Fair owns, even World's Fun here in Kansas City, that's owned by these companies that they put their big, fantastic parks on the coast. But in the Midwest, they're like, meh. So this guy says here somewhere in the Midwest, let's do a high quality, large theme park. Thank you, sir. We uh, I appreciate you. Build this thing, and I will come. All right, but time to go to the trailer park. I have a lot of trailers to get through, and not of all, all of them right. are actually movies. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Get him, Mama. Oh. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. Now, the first thing I actually kind of want to look at, um, and those of you on video are getting to see this, is there was a lot of trailers and updates that were just posted up uh, from like San Diego Comic-Con. There's some behind the scenes of Star Wars Outlaws, uh, Strange New World Subspace. The, now, this Strange is... Strange Girls Musical. Yep. Do we dare to listen to this? <laughs> Let's dare. The trailer's not bad. Celebrate with song. Everywhere I go, I'm good with song. 
of all of us being here at this time. Improbable. And yet. Here we are. <laughs> August 3rd. Yeah. I guess. So you saw the anomaly, though. Like, there's. Yeah, there's some sort of anomaly that poofs something. through the ship. I, 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 that vocal arrangement of the theme. Yeah, that kind of made me smile. Pretty gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Let's see. Was there anything else that would actually be something I'm going to cover on the show? Uh, well, I think this One Piece trailer might be the same one we saw before. Oh no, this is a new trailer for this One Piece. Okay, let's take a look then. Well, fame, power. Found everything this world has to offer. Free yourselves. Take to the seas. My treasure is yours to find. <laughs> so what do you say? Are you with me? Mutiny. <laughs> Why would anyone want to be a pirate? This is the best thing there is. I need your back. Salty seer. Loyal crew by your side. It's ready! What is it? We're Jolly Roger. We are. The Straw Hat crew. We're heading up to the Grand Line. A treacherous stretch of ocean with bigger islands bigger pirates and that's where we're gonna find the one piece you've been making enemies everywhere we go <laughs> chop chop luffy they are hunting you You'll have to excuse them. They're idiots. This crew, our crew, can handle anything. I'll do you the kindness of killing you all together. You're my captain. From now until the end. No one messes with my friends. What's so special about you? I'm Monkey D. Luffy. And I'm gonna be king of the pirates. I didn't know there were so many pirates. It's terrible. I know, right? Where's my face? So that's coming August 31st. Uh, 
as much as there is there, I would oh yeah, this is an eight 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 episode series. That's good because I think as much story as they're trying to pack in there, they don't think they could do it as just a regular movie. <laughs> uh, I've only seen one episode of the anime. Uh, I think my wife has watched most of it and probably read some of the manga as well. But this just looks fun, <laughs> so I'm kind yeah, of excited. I have no context. I, I never watched it or read it. I just had a friend who was into it, and I, I really don't know much about it that interests me though i mean that that does the job that needs to be done with a trailer mm-hmm. the person who's not familiar with it do they want to see it yep so, they did a nice job of just yeah. putting together just some fun goofy stuff like you know hey pirate fun and everything else uh something there i don't know how much coverage we're going to be able to get to this because i bet when this becomes a uh i believe this is a movie for borderlands which yeah, i just mentioned playing the game but i, mm-hmm. I imagine this is going to end up with some r-rated level uh stuff when it comes to a borderlands movie but uh we're expecting one to come out next year and i figured i at least would mention it uh with kate blanchett kevin hart jack black ariana greenblatt florian montu and jamie lee curtis uh but they they all they've wow. said it's been in developed since 2015 and they're expecting this to come out August 9th of 2024. And I am kind of curious. Uh, I mean, because really the game is kind of funny, you know. It's And it's the really neat style of the game is it looks like a moving comic book. It is really cool. Uh, and uh, it has some good good humor and some uh, slightly adult humor, uh, to be warned. Uh, but, yeah, I'm kind of curious what they would do for a live action series of that. Uh, now, here's something. It's a story trailer. It's not really an upcoming movie. But I had to share it somewhere. And I picked the trailer park because I'm so excited. <laughs> And it's a trailer. Yes, it is. By the way, this is Spider-Man 2, for those not knowing. (laughs) It's a miracle I'm even sitting here now. I got a second chance. And I'm going to take advantage of that. But I need you with me, Pete. You're going to heal the world. This is my best friend, Harry. Hey, good to meet you. Uh, good job, huh? Still gonna have time for tutoring? We'll figure it out. I didn't know there were bears in these woods. Hey, MJ, I have another name for you. Craven. He's here on some kind of hunt. I don't know if you need me, I'm just a call away. Lee, you don't know what you took from me. All Miles talks about is how to be a better Spider-Man. How to help you. What the hell's going on with me? He's not himself. Go help him. This was our dream. I'm not going to lose him. We're going to kill. October 20th. Uh, I'm going to have to go and pre-order it when I get paid here again at the end of this week, by the way. Um, 
Uh, especially because I, I put an order a long time ago for some Muppet figures with Entertainment Earth, and uh, I, I ordered it at the end of May. And if they have not produced anything in two months, because they, they've been saying, restocking soon. I'm like, okay, if you haven't stocked it, I'm canceling that order. So the money that I've set aside for that, I will go and reserve myself a copy of this game. Because the first Spider-Man game that they, they've put out with this studio, it was brilliant. You know, they kind of did their own take and their own universe and stuff, but it was just a fantastic game. I've played through it, I don't even know how many times now, even though I've still got a backlog of games to play. (laughs) Well, of course, I'm a Spider-Man junkie anyway, but I I loved that game. Uh, I enjoyed the Miles Morales games. I'm not as attached to Miles as I am to Peter because I didn't grow up with Miles. Uh, But, you know, having them both together... I'm a part of me really kind of hopes that you get to play somehow or another. They have a two player version where one of you can be playing as Peter and the other as Miles, and you can play some sort of version of this. That would be fantastic. Playing online with a buddy, both of you playing as a Spider Man. But you're just you're now getting a bit more of a look at the story, and we're getting to see even Miles getting to confront Mr. Negative, who uh, murdered his father in this version. Uh, plus, we got Craven the Hunter, the Lizard, and it looks like Harry is going to become Venom from uh, from what they were being presented. So I don't know if Eddie Brock will be making an appearance at all, but oh my goodness! And we, I, one of the things I was predicting with what we were, we saw with that previous tease was I was expecting that at some point because Peter's going to end up with that symbiote on him, that Miles would be the one that have to probably fight Peter and try to get that symbiote off of him at some point in the game. And it looks like that is going to be the case. And I'm, ooh, I'm excited because yeah. oh, the emotional baggage going on there is like your mentor. Which is kind of in the, the first. I, mean, I don't know. You don't play anything on a PS4 or PS5 I that I know. It, of, no, but no. one of the big draws uh, of the how they presented things in that first game is having Peter working for Doctor Octavius, where they're working on making um, like artificial limbs for you know prosthetics. And you don't know that like, the entire time, everything that Peter helps him develop to make these artificial limbs better gets closer and closer to Octavius building these arms. And you realize Octavius, of course, had different things in mind. And the final confrontation, uh, when he's, of course, he's Dr. Octopus and he's devastated the city. And in something that's really hits closer to home as something that happened after the game came out with COVID is, you know, there's, he unleashes this plague on, on New York city and it starts looking a lot like COVID times, you know, <laughs> but when the when Peter realizes that Octavius knew that Spider-Man was Peter the whole time and it still caused all this trouble. And there's such this moment of, you know, how Octavius was like his hero and his mentor and having this moment of like, you you did all this. You threw everything away. We were going to change the world and help so many people, and you threw it away. There's all this big emotional scene at the end when when Peter finally wins and then has to turn his back and say, "No, I've got to do I've got to do right." Uh, it's it's was such an emotional impact, and I'm feeling like we're going to get that again now with Miles, who's been learning how to be a Spider-Man from Peter all this time. He's going to have to deal with the fact that Peter has been taken over by this symbiote and save yeah. him from it. Ooh, the the emotional baggage going on with that fight is going to just, you're going to feel it. So Insomniac has been really good about writing these games of getting the emotional weight, which is something Spider-Man needs to have. Everything is somehow deeply personal for Spider-Man if you do it right. Uh, And they really, they just nailed it and hit it out of the park last time. So I am super, super excited for this game. So come October, I'll be playing this. And they're definitely hyping up the, you know, we've got Venom, we've got Kraven, we've got Miles, the big three. Mm -hmm. Thing that Sony's wanting to get out there in front of people with, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the Spider-Verse movies, which undeniably great. The Venom movies, deniably great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first and, one's good. The second one is like, oh, that wasn't bad. 
And then Craven, who knows what that's going to be like. But that's, yeah. I mean, this is Sony. Like, they've got Spider-Man, but they don't have Spider-Man, you know. So gotta, <laughs> right. So. They're gonna, they can do everything with Miles, though. They can, they can do a lot of stuff with that. They keep that grow, growing. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to see that second movie yet, but I, I, I want to see it. I just haven't gotten a chance to. Yeah. I will. You need to. I will. You need to. Yeah. That's what I hear. It's like, I heard it was so good. Now, here's something I think is going to be at least PG-13. It just this this trailer kind of made me laugh. It's coming September fifteenth. It's by direct uh, director Michael J. White and also starring him. It's called Outlaw Johnny Black, and it's kind of almost like he did a black exploitation western. And I, I was like, "What is this?" And I watched this trailer. Yeah, PG thirteen. So good. Might be a little bit of a language in the movie, but we're covering it on the show because it looked funny. I've been trying to tell y'all Brett Clayton's coming to rob your bank. Listen up, he's And I came to put a bullet in him. My name is Johnny Black. I am no gentleman and I am no preacher. I thought I would join you for Brett for Hallelujah. That man is not what he pretends to be. Surprise! Didn't the Bible say to turn the other cheek? I don't know. I mean, probably. Yeah. I said stop. Stop me. But it also said you could hit a bully with a slingshot. And this is mine. I'm crack shot, Bob. Well, now you just shot. I think ain't no preacher at all. False prophets rose among the people. You know this vile man, Reverend Famine? Reverend Famine? Ah! I'll be Reverend Famine, and you'll be my deacon. Now, why in God's name would I agree to do something like that? There's oil been found on the property. Hallelujah! Now, this town is about to come into a whole heap of money. We must arm ourselves and prepare for the worst. I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Let's go. I say a life worth living is a life worth defending. I was beginning to think I lost you to another woman. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, then you are shackled to your past. Let me down! Say, turn it loose. Turn it loose. Drop your guns by the end of this sentence. That wasn't a complete sentence. <laughs> kind of gives me a Blazing Saddle vibe. A little bit, a little bit, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, was, I was like, what is that? And I watched the trailer the other day and I said, oh my goodness, this is pretty funny. <laughs> I basically imagine this outlaw who's coming in, I guess, to stop somebody from robbing a bank and then finds up maybe oils under the town and decides to pretend to be the town preacher and he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm hoping like by the end somewhere like he actually learns some some morals and he's got a, a good character growth and arc as he goes along. So and then decides to, to defend this little town. So but it looked funny. So I'm like, you know what? I think I want to see this. <laughs> Plus, I'm like, I like Michael J. White. You know, he's he's a he's a good actor. Yeah. He's very entertaining. So, and here's something I've, I've been kind of excited for when I heard that this was happening. If you're familiar with Bat in the Sun Productions, they uh, started out, they made fan films on YouTube. If you watch, they're the oh, highest okay. quality fan films I think you'll ever see. And even for a while, they were doing uh, versus type of things where they'd have one character versus another, and they'd go by votes. They'd go to a convention and have people vote on who would win in the fight. And that's how they do it. Unlike Death Battle, where they'll, they'll go and look at the science and determine who would win. 
But they would actually get people's votes and go on that, so they'd have two different endings. But they decided, you know what? We're going to have to make a feature-length movie if we really want to get somewhere. And they made friends with Jason David Frank before he had passed away. Uh, he had actually even played the White Ranger and whatnot in some of their videos. I'm never a big, not a big Power Ranger fan, really, but, you know. They made a movie with him called Legend of the White Dragon, and they had a teaser trailer at San Diego Comic-Con. Prophecy tells of a duel between the two dragons of a shared crystal. We must join together to prevent the schemes of evil men. Eric Reed, there is so much you don't know. All that matters is that you are now a white dragon. Spirit you fight is still strong within you. You took everything from me. You can't change the past. You have to let it go. No! All you can do is show up now. Well, let's see what we're working with. So I believe this would be the final thing that you'd ever see Jason David Frank in is uh, this film, which, you know, seems to blend a lot of sci-fi, a lot of fantasy, and a little bit of a look of some Power Rangers if they were, you know, more modern look. So They're definitely going for that Mm -hmm. vibe anyway, yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. They got my attention. I don't know what the heck's going on with this thing, but I was like, you know, that kind of looks cool. And Bat in the Sun makes very, very interesting uh, little shorts and fan films that... They, they got potential to make something really good. And here's something I just found out about today coming to Apple TV Plus. Strange Planet, what a series. The world wasn't the only one where existence is absurd. Please refer to the danger menu for tips on how not to die. If your seat is in the peril row, you must help us take the machine apart. Your reward is more leg room. One jitter liquid, please. Would you like to jitter for one, two, or five hours? Describe your current level of activity. 90% below average. Give me that mild poison! One, two, three! I'll let you two talk while I go over here and pretend not to listen. Irony. Is that irony? I'm never sure. This is the adventure we live for! Tiny trash. The bad moments will pass. Even the good moments will pass. That's what our existence is all about. Wow, you licked me inside the mouth. This is disgusting. And it's perfect. So I'm not sure how you make this into an animated series. It's coming August 9th, so I'm soon to find out. But Strange Planet, if you've read these, seen these on the internet, they're really, really creative. And they kind of take a look at the human existence through weird alien characters. Uh, and refers to them as beings and stuff like that. He, he comes up with like yeah. weird sci-fi or scientific versions of calling what we know in the regular world so he can make little well, jokes it's, about it's us. It's all about lampshading. It's all about just <laughs> calling out like the you know, phrasing. Uh, 
here's the interesting thing about this for me anyway, is the creator of that is my high school Bible teacher's son. <laughs> That's so. Fun. Yeah. So I never actually met him. I don't I don't know him, but his his father was my Bible teacher. And I mean, I. I it doesn't surprise me that that's the kind of humor because my Bible teacher, it was all about, he was all about puns. He's all about wordplay. He was, yeah. And it was also cool because we actually, even in his class with only like one or two people in the school, well, I guess three people in the class that I know of who were into Star Trek, but he w- he used Star Trek as a launching point for some philosophical qual- uh, questions that he talked about. And yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So anyway. I, I got at least that the first book that he published. I do have that one. I believe his name is Nathan Pyle, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yep. But yeah, it's very, very funny. Uh, even some other stuff he's drawn. His Instagram is kind of fun because he has fun with like pigeons in New York, <laughs> follows them around and films them and makes jokes about the pigeons sometimes on his Instagram. It's it's just ridiculous stuff. Plus a lot of fun cartoons will post up on his Instagram, but a lot of fun. So I'm kind of looking forward to see what's going on with that. But uh, my goodness, this is going to be a long show because we're like an hour and a half in and we're We've crossed the halfway point, but we still got a, a movie review, and I'm going to probably be on a soapbox for a little bit of this, but here we go. Okay. <sighs> Want right. to see a movie? Yeah. Any good? It was bad? I'm fuzzy on the whole good-bad thing. My eyeballs could have been sucked from their sockets. I like it a lot. The best movie ever made. A Fandom Nexus Movie Review. So I'm a little behind on this movie, but I finally got a chance. Me and my wife went out last weekend to go see Sound of Freedom. Uh, we brought some, uh, well, some napkins in there because my wife was like, she, my wife can cry at anything. And she's like, okay, this is going to be a crying <laughs> movie. Uh, but this is a movie that uh, it's become kind of controversial. Like, But the interesting thing is the groups that try to stand against this movie, we, you can trace them to where they've had some problems of the particular crime that this movie will go against. Uh, for example, Disney originally had rights to because Fox had made this movie. So Disney acquires Fox and they shelf the movie. And not too long after that, you had an entire ring of traffickers that were cast members at Walt Disney World. Uh, some other opposition they had, of course, they had, Netflix wasn't sure they would you know, make money. I don't know what other excuses and everything. So finally, Angel Studios says, hey, we can release this and distribute this. Angel Studios, of course, the uh, studio that's grown some – some uh, they've got a, a bit of a budget now to work with because of working on The Chosen, uh, which was crowdfunded initially. But now you know people are able to purchase merchandise of The Chosen. It's really caught on. And the CW is even now finally airing the series, uh, which even though they're – I think they're up to three seasons already. I'm behind on that, but it's a good show. And so Angel Studios was finally able to put it out, but like they've gotten criticism from CNN and Rolling Stone, which I've seen even videos kind of pointed out. So by the way, here's the you know like a, a CEO of Rolling Stone. He was busted for having certain content on his computer. Some of the producers of CNN that are trying to you know behind the complaints they're making, they were being investigated on being parts of this. Uh, this movie even points out that's an. Because this is going to go on YouTube, I'm going to try to lightly address what this movie's talking about. But this is a most heinous type of crime, and it is a form of slavery. We'll, we'll put it like that. Slavery still existing that has currently more slaves than we ever had when slavery was supposed to be legal. And it is a, I think they, they say at the end, it's like a $15 billion a year industry. There's a lot of people who have the hand in the pocket that are making money off of this, and it's disgusting. And so here's a movie based off the true story of a man named Tim Ballard who used to work Homeland Security. And uh, uh, I went, I've, I've pulled up 
uh, or their website, they wanted to go through. So, well, here's what stuff that's true that you see in there, and here's what we kind of made up just to make it an interesting movie. Uh, and a lot of the events that you see in there, rescue operation on an island, Columbia, <laughs> is that their official really website happened. there. Yes, uh, this is that's part of funny. their because it's funny. it's it's through uh, Operation Underground Railroad. That's Tim Ballard's uh, organization where they go. They are actively going out and rescuing these children. Uh, and uh, you can't participate. They got a shirt that's a, a line from the movie that when the line is delivered, oh, it, it hits you right here. It is God's children is, are not for sale. And I want that shirt. And, of course, the funding of that shirt goes to them and helps in their efforts to rescue these children being trafficked like this. Uh, but they tell you some of the stuff that's true. There is a rescue, a rescue operation that happens on an island in Columbia that is based off an actual true event. Uh, something called Operation Triple Take, which uh, Tim Ballard has said on uh, some of his stuff on YouTube that there is a documentary about this entire operation that uh, they are – I forgot what, they, what it's going to be called, but it is going to be out the full just documentary. But this is something that is depicted in the film. It's the first major rescue that he does. Uh, and we also see an event at the kind of beginning in the movie where he, he rescues one little boy. He says, no, that, that is based off of a real little boy who gave him this little thing and had a verse from, uh, from Timothy – I forgot what verse he says it is. Maybe it's marked somewhere. But uh, someone pointed out to us like, hey, Tim, this has your name. There it is. First Timothy 611. And the words man of God inscribed on it. And uh, I've watched some Tim Ballard video where he shows here's the real necklace. I still have this. Uh, so there's something that, you know, there's the, the children you see are based off of real children that have been rescued. Uh, there's a, a villain in there. It's based off a real woman who uh, they, they try to demonstrate to you how, how this grooming and trafficking really happens in a disturbing scene in the beginning because you understand what's going on. And you see the father has no clue what's happening. Uh, but it's truly disturbing because you kind of get the idea like, uh-oh, you know, at the beginning of the movie. And so uh, a lot of the plot revolves around these two kids that uh, get – caught up in something in the beginning and it will not rest until the end where he's rescued both children because he gets the little boy first and they did invent like the second half of the movie uh is invented where he goes after and, and manages to save the little girl because he was not involved in that and uh but it is an exciting bit of of intrigue there for the second one uh where something happens in the movie that did not happen in real life but I, uh, there is it's like the the one only instance of any violence in this movie, and I love the way it's presented. It's very tasteful and very tactful. You get the idea of what's happening to these children, but you're never going to see anything. It's never even going to get too close. And even when there's a bit of violence where he's trying to save this girl, he has to take this guy out. But he he sneaks up behind the guy and he signals to the little girl, "Shut your eyes." And when we see this, we see it through her eyes, where she's closing her eyes, but every once in a while she opens her eyes just a little bit and sees him fighting with this guy. Uh, so, I mean, they even try to keep violence levels because this was more about the message of that this needs to stop. Uh, but another character, another heroic character, they call him Vampiro, but in real life he's known as Batman. This is a real person, and uh, there is some video that Operation uh, Underground Railroad has of him, but they hide him. He's nothing but silhouette because he is very operating, very much operating, and he's undercover. They don't want anyone to know he's there because people would not mm. uh, fall for his, his tricks because a lot of what they do... Yeah, and here's where it says Tim going to Columbia and Jungle by himself to rescue a little girl. That's false. That was something just they made up for the movie. I mean, this is basically they took some real events and some real people and made a story to try to tell you a good story to get you interested and also to 
say, hey, you know, this is going on. This is real. And uh, they say that doesn't really show what trafficking typically looks like. They're calling that false on their website, but yet it, it does. I mean, it does show how the grooming happens, and that is more common through so social media and a lot of other factors where these people will befriend the kids and then lure the kids away. But they have real footage of children being kidnapped. They said, well, that's not necessarily how ki more kids are actually trafficked by a grooming method than they are of being snatched. Uh, but they have some real footage of snatching, and it's it's disturbing to see like how quickly some of these kids were getting grabbed and kidnapping. But what's more disturbing is there are people who are grooming and pretending to be maybe other children, befriending them on social media, luring them to different places, and then they're taken. And sometimes the parents have no idea what just happened. And that's even what we see at the beginning of this movie as this father who – this Giselle character – Comes in and says, oh, you have beautiful children, and she's such a talented singer. We can make them stars. And when you're in an impoverished state, you're like, my children can make money and become famous. That will be great for the family. So he says, uh, so she tells him to take the kids to a certain location. And what should have been a red flag for the father is when she takes the kids into this room and says, oh, no, you can't come in. Come back at 7 o'clock tonight. And so he goes home, comes back at 7. Of course, there is nobody there anymore. But what's also disturbing is you see what happens where they're, they're taking photos of the kids and putting lipstick on these children and having them pose. Uh, and they're taking photos and the kids just think, oh, look, I'm going to be modeling. It's like, no, they're because from that scene, we even go right to the first guy who's going to get arrested. Uh, he's on a website where there are these children just up for sale. It, it is incredibly disturbing. Uh, and that character, even you see at that beginning, that bad guy is actually a real person that Tim Ballard arrested. And uh, how what really launches the movie is when they arrest that guy, uh, another character says to Tim Ballard, it's like, how many arrests have we made? Oh, we've made hundreds of arrests of these guys. And it's like, well, how many kids, though, have we saved? It's like, we're going after these guys, but we're not saving the children. You've got to, you know, get after that. So he, he kind of gets into look. And then the next time he picks up a guy on Border Patrol, finds the boy, and that launches him on his mission to go and find the sister. Uh, and along the way, rescues some other children and uh, a lot of different stuff. Fantastic movie. It's uh, it's you'll you'll cry uh, as as a man. Uh, I'm I was mad. I, I told my wife at one point, you know, one of these guys who was clearly an abuser. So that guy's got a very punchable face. Because uh, one, one thing, as I think as men, as being protectors that we are, you hurt a child, uh, we're coming. You even you hurt a woman. I, there's even a, a great Instagram uh, channel, and I cannot think of who runs this guy. It's, but he likes to show uh, bits that cut on camera where somebody tries to attack a woman or attack a child, and men step up and, and pin the guy down and rescue that woman and you know hold this guy for the police and stuff. It's like, men, we got to step up. We're, we should be protecting people and i know there's the feminism supposed to be telling it's like oh we don't want to be the little damsel in distress like this is this is real life and stuff happens to you you are in it can be in danger in certain locations and we should be stepping up to protect our families and our friends and even just strangers that we see need help whoever they are if you see another guy who's suddenly being attacked and robbed go try to help i mean find a way you know i mean it can be a dangerous thing to try to help but you know it's just we, we, we should step in and protect each other, all of us, I think, because women can be very protective as well. You don't mess with the mama bear, you know. Right, right. I mean, so yeah. uh, and that's I think it kind of brings up a point like we can find a way to help. And sometimes it's by donating money or telling people this movie. There's a, a good message at the end behind Jim Caviezel where he's saying, here's the link. 
uh, you, we just want people to see this. This is gonna, this story can can make change, like Uncle Tom's Cabin did to change slavery and end things. Say like, this is what they hope this movie to be. It's like this slavery is still going on, and we need to get more people to say, "Hey, look at this." You know, it's like we 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 know it happens, but we don't think about it. But it's like here it is, going to be in your face, and how awful this is, and we can do something about this. So this is uh, that's kind of the message of the movie. Uh, and it, it does portray it very great. There is a little bit of stuff that I kind of laughed at that uh, because he, he tricks some bad guys into giving up stuff uh, and also gets rid of their they're thinking they're they're untouchable because they have a, a guy who's our lawyer. who Oh, he comes to jail with us uh, and he turns them against each other. So the way he outsmarts and captures some bad guys while he's trying to save the children that they're getting, uh, you kind of laugh because you're like, ha ha, bad guy got tricked, you know. <laughs> And it's really about cleverness and intrigue. It's a well-told story, and it'll it'll hit you in the guts. It'll hit you in the heart. It's heavy, but yet light enough because you're presented with hope that this can change and this can be stopped, and we can save these kids. And this organization, and there's other organizations like that out there that are out there protecting the kids. And so, I mean, this is an important movie, and this, you know, this to me shows what real masculinity is supposed to be like, where we should want to help and protect. And even uh, one of the things I do at my job at a television station, we do the salute the badge where we go and we sit with the police officers and, you know, and firemen and stuff like that. And the reason we ask, well, okay, why do you do what you do every day? Even though, you know, being a police officer can be a dangerous job, but why do you do what they do? And they said, it's a calling. You have to want to protect people. And uh, now not all of us have that same level in us like a police officer would of uh, what we're going to do to step up to protect. But in some fashion, we will always, you know, that's, that's, that's even the theme that goes around in this movie. It's like, well, what if it was your daughter? Like the, the people who dismiss it. What if it was your kid? Would you think differently then? Like, imagine what it's like for that parent to go into the child's room and there's nobody in sleeping in that bed. They mentioned that a few times, too. And we even get to see like the father. And so there's there's also some real tears when you see, you know, the. Uh, when the when the children get reunited with their father, you do get to see that. I mean, hopefully, I'm not spoiling anything, but I, but you know, you know it's going to have to have a good ending, or it'd be a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> but seeing them reunited with the father, you're going to cry. Even at one point where they rescue a large group of kids, and this is where the title of the film comes from. These kids realizing they're free, they're playing, they're singing songs together, and playing like little hand games. And uh, the vampiro character goes over to Tim Ballard, or Jim Caviezel's character of Tim Ballard, you know, and says. You hear that? That is the sound of freedom. And I was like, oh, roll credits right there. There's the, there's the title of the movie. So, and uh, we have a title. And we have a title. Uh, but it will get you right there. It'll make you feel good to see kids set free, but also realize there's so many kids out there that need help. And finding ways that you can help is a lot of what this movie is about. And sometimes it's by donation to help fund this because we, we even see, and, I, and this might be accurate to what happened to Tim Ballard. Uh, he lost his job because... There's nothing in U.S. law that they can really extend out of the country to go where all these children are, 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 are taken and then brought into the United States. I mean, you can catch some at the border. And he does mention, like, uh, he, he gives some credit to Clinton and uh, Bush Jr. Uh, or Bush the third, whatever, W, uh, and even Trump of what they did trying to secure the border. Because it's like that actually we caught more people that were smuggling children at the borders because we tightened up on, and worked on that wall. Because that's one of the things, because right now the U.S. is one of the top three nations where children are being enslaved and trafficked right now. They'll take them from other countries. They bring them in here. 
Uh, and it's scary to think. And there, there are groups even I've heard on a various different podcasts where they uh, where they've talked to people that run groups where they they train their people to go to airports and look for signs that there's a child who's actually being trafficked. There's there's apparently things that you can look for and they will go through and get that child away from that that person. Uh, so it's 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 a good movie. It does give you hope that that uh, this can be helped, but it, it'll it'll make you mad. It'll make you cry. Uh, and it's it's just even good storytelling and really well presented, really well acted. I definitely recommend it. Uh, and uh, what else was your option out there? Oh, yeah. Barbie. And I have a clip of Barbie because Barbie gives a completely different view of men. And I'm not seeing this movie, but uh, here's a bit of a clip I got from Ben Shapiro. They literally say this, get the Barbies away from their cans. How are they going to achieve this? Well, they're going to make the men complacent and then take their power. This is how women have achieved power. Now, let me just digress briefly here in how women actually achieved power in Western civilization. The answer is that they lobbied men and men gave it to them. That is the actual answer as to how women achieve power in Western civilization. The amendment to the Constitution that allowed women to vote was passed solely by men because women couldn't vote. It turns out there are a lot of good-hearted men out there who like women and who want women to be able to live lives that they want. It turns out that many of us, our husbands and fathers, many of us have daughters. Many of us love the people we're married to. It turns out that that actually describes a huge number of Western men that we are not. Oh, I guess he was still going. But he got his point across. Like Barbie, from what I've been seeing, what I've been reading now, that a lot of people have been enjoying themselves, but it creates and even literally and a plot point of this is creating division between men and women. Like somehow or another, we are not supposed to be able to partner together, and somehow or another, we're supposed to be somewhat against each other, and we're better off without each other. That's just not true, and that's why I, when I was watching Ben Shapiro's take on that, I said that, that is exactly that. It's like you know, these uh, this, the modern feminists they they want to separate so much that they forget. Like, hey, you know what? The the things you've made achieve, men had to step up, and we do need to step up and make a better world. But we do this together. It's not a us versus them. And uh, that's one, you know, seeing how they've presented even Ken as uh, you've heard the phrase a simp because uh, he's going after it. He's just trying to get Barbie's attention and she don't care a wit for him because that's why she's supposed to be better off. I'm like, yeah, that's and that's why they present the men and the men are just kind of useless. And when they do, they they have absolutely in Barbie land, they have absolutely no power and no identity that when Ken goes into the real world and he, he even gets a book that is a book to teach him patriarchy literally apparently happens but he learns that oh hey men can actually have something when he goes and takes that back to barbie land of course he takes it to an extreme ridiculous stereotype that is not typical of men but of course that's got to be squashed by the barbies immediately because he's actually starting to think for himself and want to be able to achieve and do something with his life and have identity but of course they go into the toxic levels and stupid levels to make men of course look inferior and stupid kind of like i don't know a certain ghostbusters reboot back in 2016 uh, that tanked. This movie unfortunately made its money because they lured people in, and uh, a lot of stuff. What I've heard, this a Barbie movie is not appropriate for children, even though it should have been made for children. Uh, a lot of not appropriate stuff, including what I saw in that first teaser that I think I commented on, where they have two Kens that are saying, "I'm going to beach you off," but of course you say it fast enough, it sounds like something else. Uh, it's not appropriate for kids, but I think a lot of parents didn't realize that, and they were taking daughters to this, and so they're you know. What do they do? They go after your children to get them these bad messages that really are just not good. And so it's nice to have a message out there to say, no, no, men are are not your oppressors. We are we're we should be your equals. There's bad men out there, yes, but there's also bad women out there. But to yeah, to not to 
to forget the partnership that men and women should have the way God designed us to be, where we are like a team. Uh, it's it's really a disservice to men and women as well because you you lose track of how glorious God made you uh, when you when you set it aside for trying to feel like you need to be feel like you need to be empowered like you have power you're just not recognizing the power you have as women and power we have as men and what we're supposed to do with that and what we can do and what we can do together and so sound of freedom and even that uh, God of War Ragnarok. Because you have a lot of time, you're running around, you have, you're partnered with a female character, and you're working together as a team, side by side, to make a difference in the world. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to be. So, there we go. I'm stepping down off my soapbox now. All right. But that was my review of Sound of Freedom. I, hopefully, I made some good points, right? <laughs> I had some good things to say. I, I haven't seen either. Right. And um, the thing with, with Barbie is I, I do plan to see it. I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to. It's one that I'm definitely going to be waiting until I see it on, on streaming. But, um, again, I, I've, I've heard some good things about it. I've also heard people you know who are saying um, things like Ben Shapiro saying. I'm really just curious. I want to see, like, what's the what's the through line for that Ken character arc where he's – because I just can't imagine them leaving him unchanged by the – you know, and, and so I yeah. – I, we got to see it. You know, the, the the story arc has to be there. We'll see if it's not there. That's even more disappointing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because the other thing is uh, with having daughters and, and having a wife and having, you know, women in my life that I love, like I I do see like there are there are bad things for women in this world. You know, mm-hmm. there are people who uh, do oppress and there are people who do. And, and it, it can be it's men and women. Um, it's, you know, but you have the, the, uh, like you said, I, I think you, you put it really well when you're talking about like, we are a team and it's not just a a men and women thing. It's, it's all of us thing. You know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses and we all should be working together to make the world a better place. Um, especially as, as Christians, you know, that's, that's, we're, we're called to go into all the world, you know, and, um, and and help people like we're we're called to love your neighbor and we're mm-hmm. called to you know do all these things and yeah we and we need to be doing it together we need to recognize you know that person over there who really annoys me you know what one of god's children you know? yeah <laughs> yeah and we uh and and that person they may be really annoying but they also may have some really great strengths that i'm missing out on because i'm dismissing them you know and um yeah so a- anyway yeah. uh the the thing I'm curious about the sound of freedom is, um, it sounds like they they walk the line pretty well between, it's a Hollywood movie so there has to be the fictionalized right. stuff, and it's a true story so there has to be the true stuff. And I I heard Roger Ebert say one time, and, and I like this uh, this kind of definition when you're talking about any kind of true story. There's two ways to go at, and one is emotional truth, and the other is historical truth, and the unfortunate thing is with emotional truth only where it's like bringing out like this is the character. This is what he wanted to do. This is his motivation. Um, but then he becomes Rambo or whatever. <laughs> and that's not true. Um, but the emotional truth is there for what was right. motivating this guy in real life. Um, and then you also have that where the historical truth can be really boring because, you know, you're just just the facts. And so yeah. I, I have been curious. And, and that website, I want you to send me that link, actually, if you could, because okay, don't forget. Um, I had heard people say, like, this isn't the way it all happened. 
And I love the fact that it's like his own website. You know, it's 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 them saying, hey, here's all the things Hollywood got right mm-hmm. and didn't. You know, like, yeah. So I, I, I had to laugh at that headline because it's, it's perfect. You know, like yeah. that's. And Tim Ballard didn't even uh, on on uh, his he's got a he's, it might be an audio podcast as well, but he's got a YouTube channel where he's got a podcast. And his first episode where he's he's showing the artifacts and he shows a book that's featured in the movie and all this different stuff. He says he was involved in the entire movie, and he said the one thing he wanted to make sure is like don't make me look like more of a hero than I am. Mm-hmm. So you keep it down, and it's as even the thing where it's, it's but, com- completely invented, where he goes solo because of that's you know, he's kind of undercover and how, how things happen. I won't I won't tell you how he ends up by himself trying to save that little girl out of a, a really bad place. He doesn't go in there, Rambo. He's going in pretending to be a medical doctor, and he has to sneak her out and run. It's not like action hero, yeah. not at all. Even though when you look at Tim Ballard, I mean, he's you know former Homeland Security. He is a big muscly dude. Uh, but still, it but wouldn't have made sense for him to go and take on yeah. a bunch of Nicaraguan rebels to save one but little that, girl. That scene is is emotional truth, where yes. it's like this is this is what he was doing. But it's that hot. and emotional truth is more uh, maybe a better way is uh, metaphorical truth. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, um, but the unfortunate thing is then people take it as as literal fact right. when they see it in the movie. And um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. that's but something. Uh, the, the facts were impressive on, enough, went, though. Yeah. Uh, exactly, the, the, exactly. The facts are very impressive, and you're like, you're just, you know, he's still a hero to me, even though he's, right. you know, not yeah. ramboing away and saving these kids. The efforts they go through and do, and he spent a lot of time. They even show there at the end of the movie, and they said there was some stuff that they wanted to show what all happened to some of the bad people and show the r- real photos of the bad people, but they only have time at the end really to show what kind of happened later. And you can find this on his YouTube channel where he did go when he came back from Columbia after being there for, well, I forgot how long he came back and presented before Congress and, his, and telling the U S government, saying we need to be involved in this around the world uh, because we're, our country is guilty of this, you know? And so he, he presented before Congress. So, you know, leading, you know, leading the charge, like he is like a bunch of other organizations as well that I've started following. Uh, I, I appreciate their efforts. They are heroes to me. It's like you're doing out there, going out there and protecting kids because that's that's a big number one thing. Do not hurt children. And there's even one point I, I love the, the there's a nice Bible quote where the first bad guy you see him getting because he's he was trying to get this guy to talk. And so he's kind of been playing and acting like, oh, no, I'm pretending to buy this stuff, too. And and right before he busts him, he says, you know, it would be better that you had a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. And the guy looks at him like, what? He goes, you're under arrest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was one of those things where you're like, yes, that's a feel good moment. It's like you got get the got the guy. And uh, but yeah, great stuff. But yes, we are the body all together. We need all of us on stuff. But now we get to turn one corner and we have wrapping this show up because, of course, one of the things I wanted to talk about this book, which I haven't bought yet because I was waiting. Okay. But you just wrote a new book. And yeah, yeah. I, is this is this your first book? My Other first than sci-fi novel. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So I, I've been working in the comics industry for um, not quite two decades, but it's coming up on that. Uh, and so I've worked with um, the Kingstone uh, publisher, which did a lot of Bible Bible books. Um, uh, I did a book about the Bible just called Book of God that is about where the book uh, came from and just starting – basically going from inspiration to um, – uh, to just how we have it now to, to, um, translation. And, and so, you know, just tracing it from, uh, from the earliest points of, 
uh, who wrote what, what do we know about it, and those kind of things, all the way through until, um, you know, who was translating it. You know, how did the translation of the King James Bible work? There's a couple pages about that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of nonfiction stuff and and biblical um, stories for, for Kingstone. I worked for Zondervan. I have a series called Time Flies that I just got the rights back to that was from, uh, I think, 14 so years ago with Zondervan. But I have the rights back now. So I'm going to be trying to figure out what do I do with it now? How can <laughs> I reprint it? Um, so I might be doing some sort of Kickstarter because we do have to redraw a couple of those those volumes. Those were um, eight books long. Each of the Zondervan graphic novel series had eight books, 150 pages. Uh, but there's there's a, a rights issue that I'm going to have to deal with where we might have to just redraw some of that. Uh, but anyway, I, I worked for Marvel. I worked for Image. Um, worked with George R. R. Martin on a book called The Hedge Knight where I took his novella, turned it into a uh, comic book. But through it all, I haven't done much prose writing. I've done some short stories. I did uh, a prose novel um, that, went, that goes along with my Armor Quest series, which is basically Ephesians 6 by way of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> and, and there's a novella that, or a novel that I wrote. I guess it's six novellas, but it's one volume. It hasn't been published yet uh, in paper form. It's been published in uh, for Kindle years and years and years ago. And only part of it i think so we're working on details okay how can we make that work now let's let's get that out there but this is my first science fiction novel wrote it for myself um you know i I didn't write it for a publisher uh ghosts of the future there's uh, the cover is just beautiful i love this cover um and it's a it's a sci-fi novel about uh a crew of people on a ship called the tabitha and they're just workaday people and they're just hauling cargo from one place to another but they get distracted because the captain likes science and they see this new thing that no one's ever seen before they're going to stop and see it and when they stop to take a look at the strange anomaly that she's so excited about um weird things happen and bad guys show up (laughs) and uh and so there's there's time travel kind of there's timey-wimey shenanigans and um there's the main idea comes from the fact that they find on this small planetoid, they find a body that's been dead for years, but it's wearing one of their spacesuits. Mm. And so it's like, how did that even get there? Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly ours. There's our name right there. In fact, it's still in the ship. You know, like we still, mm. we still have this suit. So what's going on? Um, and so they have to figure out that mystery. Uh, who, who is it in the suit? How did it get there? How are we going to escape these bad guys who managed to attack their ship and, and uh, almost shut them down. And, um, and so they're, yeah, it's just the, the novel. I, I say it's the novel I wanted to read. Uh, and so I, and I've been reading a lot of, I've always been a fan of classic sci-fi yeah. and, you know, I mentioned the Asimov foundation trilogy. I read that in high school and read it, reread it again, uh, just a, about a year or two ago. Um, but I've always just been a fan of that style of, of writing and those kind of old school pulpy, um, just the old school pulp science fiction kind of oh, stuff. Oh goodness. Wow. You know? And, um, so I, I just, I, I love that stuff. I enjoy that stuff. And, when it was, uh, there was a, a, a creative crossroads in my life where the working jobs that I had were drying up. I had my full-time job, which was great. I have a full-time job as a children's pastor, but my, my freelance jobs 
for drying up. And mm-hmm. so then it's like, what do I do with myself? How do I, how do I, uh, you know, put out the creative side? And I realize, okay, so if I'm gonna not be paid to write anyway, why not <laughs> write? You know, <laughs> sure, and, um, <laughs> and just do something fun for myself. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm working on a sequel right now. But it's uh, you can find it at benavery.com. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, you can get it uh, paperback for, I believe it's $14.99 or Kindle for $2.99. Um, you can get it from my website. If you get it from my website, I will sign it for you. Uh, it's $9.99 plus shipping. Um, so I'm, I had to price myself down so I could compete a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Uh, Cause shipping does take it up. Right. Um, past, past that. So, um, yeah, but Ghosts of the Future, it's uh, – I'm just very excited to get it out there. This is the – I started a, a publishing LLC, so Onward and Upward Media LLC. I started – I'm going to be printing someone else's book soon through that. Uh, we're working on an anthology that I'm so excited about. I have 23 of the 28 stories in already as of as of today. Um, the hope is to get it out before uh, Black Friday, so it can be out for all the people who worked on it can give it away as a christmas gift but um it's called a time for everything and it is time travel stories based on ecclesiastes 3 nice so every author kind of staked a claim on what they wanted from that list and so you have a time to die a time to be born you have a mine was a time to hate um which is actually in in the slipstream slipstream universe is what I call it. Uh, it's, it's it's actually a follow up to this novel, but um, but it takes that title and then runs with it, and involves. It's not necessarily all time travel, but it's all um, science fiction or fantasy time manipulation. And so, um, my, my story has aliens who move faster through time than everyone else, and they are able to pull you along with them and mm. what happens with that. Um, and then there was another story that just, it just feels like a twilight zone where there's a guy and he's just doing what he's doing. And then all of a sudden he's back in time and he, you know, meets his dad, you know, and it's just, <laughs> it's things like that where, uh, it could be anything. There is a time machine story, you know, and then there is, um, there's one story that's, uh, I haven't gotten it yet, so it may not make the, the collection if he doesn't actually finish it, but, um, it's just an alternate history, which to me that that's another sci-fi fantasy. Like there's a point in time where it branched off, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I'm excited about that, but this is the, this is the first one. This is the first onward and upward production. Um, and there will be hopefully more anthologies. I might be publishing time flies under this, this banner, um, but yeah, Ghosts of the Future, BenAvery.com. If you go to BenAvery.com, you can click uh, where you can uh, go to my Weebly store. And it has some other books. Actually, I'll show you this too. This is Paul, the Apostle. Uh-huh. And this is Peter. Oh my goodness. And so these are sci-fi metaphorical retellings of, of the Gospels and Acts. Um <laughs> And so the, the one thing we don't do is uh, make Jesus look too alien. Like right. We, we keep the human features for him. But it is like this kind of oh, sci-fi neat. world. And it's less it's it's less sci-fi in the sense it's not um, space travel. It, it was going to be at one point. There was going to be like instead of city to city, planet to planet. Yeah. But um, we stay on this one planet. I, I, can, I compare it to Star Wars, to Dark Crystal, um, you know, that kind of thing where it's just this brilliant vivid 
world building that's visually happening. Yeah. But honestly, really fun artwork take, too. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. But if you take the script and change the artwork, it's the Book of Acts <laughs> cool. dramatized, you know. And so it's it is uh, not there, there's not a lot of um, extra stuff beyond the visuals um, that that takes it out of the the biblical context. It, it does follow the story, um, but this is definitely one of those. I was talking about you know emotional truth, <laughs> not <laughs> literal history, because um, you know none of the disciples looked like that. <laughs> right. So, you know, with the weird shape heads and, yeah. and things like that. So, um, but that's available on my website. Um, they're on sale there. And yeah, so that's, I, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I get people to find out about this? So I was really happy for you to, mm-hmm. when you said, Hey, you need to come on and talk about your book. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, cool. I will. So I was waiting. I was like, like, okay. Do that. Like, I knew I was going to pick yeah. it up. I was like, I'll, I'll wait until I've talked to him. So I know what all, you know, yeah. and then I can go get it. So I know where to go and, I forgot yeah, to wait. Yeah. So that uh, way I could be surprised because I didn't know what it was about. So Yeah. Uh, on Amazon it is available um with free shipping. And so you just if you search Ghost of the Future, Ben Avery, it'll show up. As, actually at this point it might show up without my name because but at first it was like beyond the beyond the fold, you know, below the page. You know, you had to like scroll down, down, down. But <laughs> yeah. enough people have looked for it and found it that you could just search for Ghost of the Future. So yeah, and I'll make sure I put some links in the show notes, y'all. So, so. very excited about it, though, and I've been very pleased, very nervous about it, but very <laughs> pleased with people who've read it. And I'm like, okay, this is good because I've heard feedback from a handful of people who are clearly the kind of people I was writing it for. And there will definitely be people who would not be interested for sure. <laughs> but if you like Firefly, if you like um, – Stargate, uh, if you like Star Trek, if you like space shows where it's about discovery and wonder and mystery, that's that's what I'm going for here. Sounds interesting to me. You got my attention. So (laughs) nice. I need to read more. I I I have a bad habit of collecting books and never getting around to reading them. I like I like the last one I was working on. Do I still have it in here? But uh, uh, I went ahead and I I had Gary Wolf, creator of Roger Rabbit, on. Oh, I guess it's been about a year ago, and I I've, I've gotten nearly all of his books. And I read his first one, and Who Censored Roger Rabbit? That was the basis for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, Very yeah. different story. Mm-hmm, uh, that's what I've heard. I started reading because uh, he 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 wrote a, a later book that's actually supposed to be a lot more of like an in between. I think that was Who Whacked Roger Rabbit. I started on that one because I've already read <laughs> Who Plugged Roger Rabbit back in school, but I don't remember much of it. So I'm gonna, I bought a copy of that one as well. But I kind of I started like reading, and then I'm like a fall off. I'm like you know I need to actually just sit and read. And I had the opportunity. I probably should have sat and read more when my power was out there this last weekend. But it's hard to read in the dark. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so I could have been trying to read by candlelight, and I think I did. Um, I broke out uh, the Action Bible comic book because I have mm-hmm. that that yeah, complete yeah. hard book. So I was uh, I was using the light you know, like on Saturday during the day. I'm like, okay, I need to read you know I need to read something that's a Bible here. So I figured, okay, big pictures, put my glasses on. I just lay there, use the light that comes in behind me nice. in, my, in my bedroom, yeah. and like I can actually read this. So uh, it was good to read. So yeah, I need to I need to sit and read more. Especially I've actually had something I wrote years and years ago that I really need to get back to and then kind of. Almost do a, a full rewrite, not a full rewrite, but just kind of taking a look at how I was doing. Because I had planned I was I wanted to do at least a trilogy, if not a series, on this idea that I had. And it would be nice to try to publish it. I was trying to trying to figure out a way where I could have a gospel message without hitting somebody over the head with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there's parts of it that I, I, 
It's like I, I wanted people to get it so hard much that I feel like I might have turned a little bit, you know, because I wanted a, a story that was taking place in our world, but maybe the hidden parts of our world that we don't pay attention to. Uh, and I imagined a world that's uh, underneath it that's a bit steampunk. And amongst oh, cool. the steampunk area, of course, dwarves, known for building a lot of stuff, they're the ones that build all the steampunk stuff. But basically, if you had, kind of like what Harry Potter, I think Harry Potter helped inspire me a little bit, where there's other world exists alongside ours that is our world, but we just don't see it. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's mainly steampunk because I figure, well, they're, they're going to need their own technology. But you have a world, and I even, I went back and had a history of where this this happened, where you have vampires of a, of a sort, but two like two different types, and Werewolves, or I call them wolves. I uh, used to it more like the, um, I don't know, like that Northern European kind of wolf with a with a, a U, where you they have control over those, but they are kind of more representative of the earth and nature as it was meant to be, and, was, and basically they ended up that way because of the prayer of one man who wanted the power to be able to fight against the vampire. Space, which is, you, I, I haven't gotten into the origin of where they've come from, but it deals with a lot of prophecy, being a chosen one of sorts, and what blood can do to atone. Uh, so I, I've, I've, I've got where there's a gospel message in there, but I wanted people not only just to see what I'm doing with the concept of blood in this, but also get that I'm trying to point to something else. Because you know, And I have the wolves, of course, have their own names for stuff, but they basically are worshiping Yahweh uh, and, and Jesus, but they go, maybe they call him Eli instead. So I'm like, all right, I want you to get who I'm talking about, but I don't want to come out and say Jesus, but Eli is another name for God. So I, I go from that and say, there's blood and sacrifice there that is redemptive. So I was trying to get that without beating somebody over the head. And I don't know how well I yeah. did it. And I need to get back in and rewrite it. Cause huh. I, I had thoughts. I wanted to study up, uh, like an opening scene for the sequel book. I really wanted to get into have, uh, the sirens involved in like, I wanted to learn a little bit about you know, like crab fishing and boats and everything and have, well, maybe these crab fishermen, that, that why it's so dangerous, isn't so much that it's a dangerous job, but these sirens keep coming out. So anything mythological or whatever, I wanted to be able to pull in and have, no, no, this really has existed. I was even going to <laughs> allow for St. Nicholas because he's a real historical figure, but how come the whole concept of Santa Claus has continued even though St. Nicholas has passed away a long time ago? Well, because there's elves, but they're not little. They're full tall elves and they do happen to live at the North Pole and my second book was going to be my main character learning and being trained by the elves because he needs to learn to fight and he needs to learn my science magic where I was going to say if you have faith in my my mustard seed you can cause the right elements to combine to create fire so I was going to try to do a faith based Hmm. science magic and so I had all these ideas and I just kind of got stuck but maybe I maybe I need to come back to it um uh, and that's with this, it, it, there's nothing to it but to do it. You know, yeah. like that's that was the whole thing with this was like, I haven't been doing anything. And what am I going to do? And I just need to do something. And I know I had this idea a long time ago and this other idea over here. And I kind of brought them all together. The other thing I, I do want to make sure people know, this is the beginning of potentially a series about these people. But the idea is each book will be self-contained Good. like an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Where nice. It's, like, it's not that they change by the end. of like They'll still go through character arcs and, and that sort of thing. But when you sit down to read one of these books, you're, you're getting a full story. It's not just setting up a sequel. It's not a, ending on a cliffhanger, which when I read, if I know you and I like you, I'll read your book even if I know it's going to be uh, <laughs> even a if cliffhanger. <laughs> and so that's on my YouTube channel. Yeah. There's a couple people where I've reviewed their books and I, it ends on a cliffhanger and, and it hasn't, the next one hasn't come out yet. 
um, if I don't know you, I'm probably going to stay away from your book until I know that there's an ending. But yeah. the, with this uh, Ghost of the Future, it, it has a definite ending, but it also sets thing up with here's the crew, here's the ship, and there's there's will be a rotating cast as I bring in you know people leave the ship, people come on the ship. Um, so, but each book will be its own story, mm-hmm. and that's you know starting here. So yeah, and that's one of the things. I mean, yeah. you could you can continue that on with the uh, the mystery of finding that uniform and that dead body. It's like okay, have we really avoided that fate at this point? So that could be like a continuing thing. I don't know. Uh, I am not going to say anything. Yeah, don't say nothing. But to I was that like, question because that could be resolved in one book, or that could be kind of a long standing. Like, did we really resolve it? Sort of like X Men, where they're trying to avoid days of future past, and they don't know if they've really ever truly avoided that fate. It's like Let's it could just put still it this happen. Way. I I know the final book in the series that I want to write. If it never gets written, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care because this exists and it's done. There but there is some follow up that I could do. That um, yeah, it would be yeah. That's definitely an intriguing we'll, we'll idea see. that could be explored. We'll so I'm like, woo. Yeah. Because how scary would that be to be like, is that me? Did something right, bad right. happen? Do we know? It's funny. It's funny because one of the characters, he's the doctor for the ship, and he's he's looking at it. And he's like, well, I know it's not me. Well, how? Well, he doesn't have any eyes. I have a cybernetic eye. This is going to last longer than I ever do. <laughs> and if it's me, it'd still be in there. It'd still be working. So, so th- there is that element. But then when they do finally figure out who it is, it's this like, oh, no. Like and they even start mourning before it even happens mm. because they realize okay and, and that's where it does get into questions of uh, can you avoid fate is destiny written for you um, yeah and yeah so anyway it, it yeah. gets into some of those big ideas and interesting it's, like I said it's it's the kind of science fiction book I would like to read and I was very happy to, that I was able to write it and. Yeah, get it out there. So right. we probably better wrap this up because this is a about two hour show now. Uh, we were gone over two yeah, hours. Yeah, that's become a habit. Well, when I, when I didn't get a show out last week, pretty so, long episode. Yeah, that was I think four hours. That was <laughs> that's trying to cover an entire year. It was pretty long. Uh, so many that. people that I died. Four, but <laughs> <laughs> but oh, of course, my word, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a marathon. I don't know if I warned you very well, but it's a marathon doing yeah. that type of show. I haven't been keeping my notes up for this year. But anyways, we want to thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite and Wall Show for helping out, of course, with the opening of the show. Remember, you can email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter. We have a Facebook page and a group. I've been having some Facebook troubles. They're having some technical issues, and I've actually been restricted now for unknown reasons, which apparently is technical. Uh, so, uh, But I still still have a group, and you can interact with us all right there. Uh, more interaction probably in the group than the other. Uh, also, make sure if you visit NeverlandPodcast.com, you'll find links right there for a wonderful service if you happen to have a podcast. Uh, my podcast reviews for a very minimum fee, and there's about to be a massive update. Uh, I don't know what all Daniel's working on, but he's got something cool happening there. Uh, but you can get all of your reviews sent to your inbox and email, and you can even publish them to your website. It's a really nice service and very inexpensive. It's a great deal. And while you're at NeverlandPodcast.com, don't forget, you can become an official Lost Boy or Pixie. And why do we have Pixies? Because girls are too clever. They don't get lost. So become an official Neverlander, and don't forget, you can donate through our Patreon 
patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. You'll find that link directly on our website. Also, links for our store where I have lots of fun designs. I even have a bunch of designs I have not gotten published where you can get them on shirts, you can get them on mugs, you can get them on like phone cases, all kinds of fun stuff. And I have a whole line of different things of defining biblical love or what love is. Started actually when I had Phil Lawler on here from Adventures and Odyssey, one of the writers. Uh, but I, I have a bunch more ideas that they will get put up there when I finally get a chance to get these other designs on the website. So yeah, go to the store. That's really how you help making this show happen. And remember, of course, go to Ben every.com b-e-n-a-v-e-r-y.com and go track down his books i'm interested also the uh, the uh, books he was showing me that they're comic books of like aliens paul and stuff that looks fun so i'm definitely interested in checking those out as well and of course the name of the book was what was it ghosts of ghosts of the future ghosts of the future okay ghosts i was thinking of the future the past yeah. or i couldn't i knew it was a time thing my brain goes out real fast <laughs> but as we say in every episode get lost in an adventure! And we'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.